This is the DTV Digest, the podcast that brings you news and reviews of films which didn't make it to the cinema. And now, here's your host, Mike Parkin. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 80 of the DTV Digest. I'm your host, Mike Parkin, and joining me as usual is my co-host, Richard Hawes. Hey Mike, how you doing? I'm pretty good mate. As usual, we're going to bring you all the news and reviews of films which didn't make it to the cinema, went straight to DVD, Blu-ray and streaming media. And this week we've got four main reviews for you. We have uh, The Fifth Passenger, which stars a number of um, ex-Star Trek um, cast members. Uh, We've got the Dolph Lundgren zombie movie Dead Trigger. the British uh, thriller starring Milo Gibson, son of Mel, All the Devil's Men, and then we're going to round off with uh, Mad- Mads Mikkelsen doing a bit of John Wick in Polar, which is available on Netflix. Our throwback film this week is Inanimate, also known as uh, Harbinger Down, starring Lance Henriksen, and our short shot is a zombie flick called Dead Zone, and then we're going to end up with the washing up. Now, uh, Rich, as you know... We originally planned to be covering a film called Outlawed. It's a new British film, um, and you know it was, it was shot in in my new hometown of uh, Nottingham. And we both caught it on Amazon Prime this week in preparation yep. for this show. Yep. And then we found out that it shouldn't have been anywhere near Amazon Prime at the moment. Um, it had been uploaded illegally onto the streaming service and this is only the latest in about that we know of there's been three films that that we know of there could be others as far you know for we know um but it's films like um amber that also known as takedown and one cut of the dead i mean that's probably the most um prominent of the three because it's um, arrow video that's uh, releasing that so third window that's third, third window. window sorry not yeah, yeah third window um yeah, so this is a very sort of strange situation for a you know high pedigree streaming service to be involved in, don't you think? Yeah, well, I think what it's highlighted because I just presumed that there was like quality control or people in you know in control of all this stuff in the same way that there were at Netflix. But what there isn't is it's more of a it's a half Netflix, half YouTube kind of situation where people can upload their own content. Uh, and the checks and whatever clearly aren't effective enough, uh, and stuff's getting through. So, when uh, I, you know, I was excited about Outlaw being on, you know, watch it. You know, it's a good quality version. You wouldn't know it was illegal in any way. I didn't watch One Cut of the Dead, so I don't know what quality of that one was. But this one was probably like a, a DVD rip or or something. Um, but you, the only indication that it was illegal was the fact that it disappeared about three days later and then I contacted the outlaw team and they said they confirmed yes it wasn't you know a breach essentially uh, and the film is actually coming out in June Uh, so the it's hard to know what to what you can trust on Amazon at the moment especially with you know I mean one of the things I love about Prime is that it's got um, more in some ways, or yeah, it's got a lot more. Got some of the shorts and, and, like that, yeah. and some obscure stuff. You know, some of the Russian stuff and that that I like turns up on there. Indian stuff. Um, I know there's a massive problem with the Indian films being pirated, so heaven knows if, if many of those on there are. Uh, the the 
one of the things I found as as sort of an indication of if if it isn't uh, supposed to be there is if if you find a film and then you look up its Twitter account or something, if it hasn't been announced, chances are <laughs> that yeah. it that it's probably not supposed to be there. Yeah, um, but you know, it's the first they've heard of it themselves. Yeah. Yeah. But who's you know. <laughs> People aren't going to do that. They're just going to watch whatever's presented to them. And you, as much as you might try to you know, be ethical in, you know, what you're watching, the, uh, the, the, you know, a giant like Amazon isn't making it any easier. <laughs> no. And, and, um, you know, our, our, um, friends and fellow contributors, um, um, Tom Jolliffe, um, recently wrote an article for Flickering Myth. About sort of the, you know the um, the dangers, as it were, of Netflix and Amazon, and they, and you know they they sort of re- he reported that Amazon's approach is to sort of it's kind of like a scorched earth approach where they're just sort of slamming the door on anyone, um, sort of you know up- uploading their sort of films and things. But isn't this ironic that they did this? They they did this and they cut they purged loads of content. Hmm. Uh, which is what uh, one of the key points that, uh, that was made in uh, Tom Jolliffe's article on mm. Flickering Myth, uh, which Dave Wayne contributed to uh, some comments yeah. to. As, but then Outlaw turned up after that. I know, yeah. So it's, you know, it, it was a, po- a pointless gesture or, or whatever. Or, I don't know. I, th- I just think it was a, it didn't, it didn't solve the problem. Uh, and this was, you know, what did it take? What, a couple of days for something else to turn up that wasn't, you know. Yeah. That's right, and, and you know, as I say, there's three films that that we know of have been have fallen foul of this. You know, two of them British action movies. I don't exactly. know what. I don't know whether the same person is doing this or something. Mm. It, it does seem a bit suspicious. Indeed, but um, yeah. So our review of Outlawed is going to wait until the official release, which I believe is June. Is it June? Yeah, that's that's what they're saying at the moment. Yeah. So so yeah, little bits away. Yeah, so. We'll put that on the back burner for now. But as I say, you know, we've got a packed show uh, anyway. We've got loads of films to be reviewing. And we're going to crack on with the DTV chart. Yes, it's uh, DTV chart time. And isn't it fantastic? We've got a top 10 this week. Jesus. Uh, last week, though, I think there were 12, <coughs> 12 DTV releases in the top 100. This week, it's 10. Mm-hmm. Uh, they purged a, a couple. Um, there were a couple that came out last week, like... Um, the one I'm specifically thinking of was uh, Backtrace. Mm-hmm. That was around for a week. But uh, everything else is doing pretty well. So going to kick straight off. Uh, there's a couple that have been hang- hanging around. And at number 10, one of those is Hurricane. I think, we've, <laughs> I, think, I think we've talked about that one enough. Uh, as I've, I think I said on the last episode, very popular film. It's had several weeks uh, in the chart. Indeed. And, and number nine, a film we reviewed on, I think it was our last episode, number 79. It's Occupation. Yay, the Australian Independence Day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or, or V, or yeah. whatever. Australian you know, V, basically. Yeah, <laughs> kind of thing. Mm. Um, yeah, we liked it, didn't we? We thought we it was did. pretty good. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and there's an, a sequel that, uh, called Opera, uh, Occupation Rainfall, I believe, which will be continuing the story uh, this year, next year, sometime yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, number eight, uh, it was last week's number one. It's dropped by almost 60 places in the top 100. Uh, it's Speed Kills with uh, John Travolta. John Travolta. Um, as we'll be talking about later, he's sort of still hanging in there. You know, I mean, what, whatever Gotti has done to his career it hasn't really sort of affected his, his, his output, that's for sure. Um, 
But yeah, we'll be talking about Mr. Travolta a bit later on. Yeah, the um, the funny thing about this one is that I really want to see it because I think Dave was saying on his Twitter account that Travolta is like 65, but he at one point he plays a 35-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I've also read on the trivia of the film that it says 20... It, Start, it says like 25 years ago and it was actually like 50 years ago <laughs> so there's there's these really weird little errors throughout them throughout the movie that um i don't know it's either going to be it's either going to be really entertainingly bad or just bad uh, i'm not sure which but um yeah could be could be interesting uh number seven another very popular release uh also been around for several weeks final score yeah we like final score yeah dave batista and a little bit of uh, Pierce Brosnan, but a lot of um, Ray Stevenson as um, the main bad guy. Um, yeah, Die Hard in a Football Stadium. Why not? It's, it's good fun. At number six, a British movie uh, from Welsh filmmaker Andrew Jones. Uh, his first of the year. He's actually, I think he's got like five more due out this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's Alcatraz. Yeah, I'd be interested to see this. Um, I'd be interested to sort of know where it was shot, you know, because I, I doubt it was shot on location. No, I'm pretty sure it was shot somewhere <laughs> in Wales, <laughs> uh, in, in some abandoned prison or something, probably yeah. uh, down in Wales. Mm-hmm. If they, I don't know, I don't know Wales at all. So, to, I mean, there's Cardiff and there's everywhere else, I guess. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, at number five, uh, a big budget uh, Norwegian film from director Harold Svart. Uh, it's The Twelfth Man, featuring Jonathan Rhys Meyers. Yeah, um, I'm not. I, I don't know anything about this one at all. Um, you know, the fact that it's Norwegian sort of gives me a, sort of perks me up a bit. But other than that, um, yeah, not really sure. Is it? Is this set during World War Two? It is. Nazis always very popular. Of course. <laughs> uh, number four, another British movie doing very well. It's been it's been in the chart for four weeks. Uh, it's it's climbed in our chart. It's actually dropped overall in the top 100, but say still doing very, very well. It's Dragon Kingdom. Yeah. Now we reviewed Knights of the Damned last year. Um, yeah. And it was a film which we kind of enjoyed despite its, its huge limitation on budget. Um, I've seen the first 20, 25 minutes of this so far. I've got, I've sort of bought a copy and I'm sort of getting through it slowly um and i have to say um the production values are a lot better there's still a couple of things like you know sort of lack of cast members you know for crowd scenes and things like that but um early on there's, there's a whole bit with the dragon and it actually works really well you know they actually managed to mainly through editing of um you know really integrating this dragon in, in, into this particular scene i thought it was really well done so I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing the rest of it. And having seen the trailer as well, um, you know, it really looks like they've uh, pushed the boat out a bit production-wise and, um, you know, do, doing some interesting things with it. Number two, another film in its fourth week in the chart. It's uh, It's been the number one for a couple of weeks previously. It's Keanu Reeves in Siberia. This is going to be that movie, like Escape Plan 2, where every week I keep saying, yeah, I... I really need to see this you know i want to sit down and watch it and i i just never find the time um but yeah i've, I've got this to watch at some point yeah i can't quite i can't quite gauge from the trailers and that what kind of movie it is it looks like a thriller drama um kind of thing it's yeah. not a, it's not about being 
in a gulag in Siberia or anything like that. No, it's no, some, no, something no, to do no. with diamonds. And, That's right. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. He's, he's a diamond dealer who's um, trying to find out what happened to his partner, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, number two. It's, I'm actually quite surprised this is as high in the chart as it is, but it's got some very striking artwork and a, you know, a big star attached. It's Bleeding Steel with Jackie Chan. Yeah. Now, this is actually coming onto Netflix very soon as well. Oh, right. Okay. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's interesting to sort of see a film, you know, I don't know. Well, the, 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 the Asian stuff does do this, isn't it? It's, it hits sort of DVD and then about a month or so later it comes out on the Netflix. That was definitely the case with Kung Fu Yoga. Yeah. yeah, this is this is quite a big budget film. Um, some big big special effects and things going on, uh, especially in the early scenes. I don't know. I still just don't put that and Jackie Chan together. It just sort of seems a bit of a weird mix. It is. It's, it's an action movie. It's not a martial arts movie at all. I'm pretty sure he doesn't do any martial arts in the film. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, it's, it's it's an interesting one. Uh, number one, it, uh, following a. Live very uh, one night engagement at uh, a, a select number of cinemas in a double feature with its predecessor, Death of Superman. This is Reign of the Superman, the latest oh, DTV, yeah. DC animated movie. Cool. Yeah, I haven't seen Death of Superman yet, so it'd be interesting to maybe put these two back to back and have a look. Yeah, I mean, this one, most of these DC movies are usually about an hour long. Mm. Hour ten minutes, yeah. uh, and that I think was the case with the previous one. This one's uh, an hour and twenty-five. So if you put those two together, you've got a two and a half hour yeah. movie, basically, <laughs> which is pretty intense. And I love the uh, old radio version of this of this Death of Superman storyline. So mm. I'm very interested to see this. Cool. And that's the DTV chart for this week. It's time for the coming soon section, and this week we've got eight trailers to take a look at. Uh, and we're going to start off with Trading Paint. Now, I mentioned in the uh, DTV chart section, we would be talking about Mr. Travolta again, and here he is. Um, I have to say, though, Rich, you know, he is sort of choosing some interesting roles, I think. You know, say, say what you will. But, um, you know, he's, he, what have you had him in? There was. Uh, what was that one where he's the um, the electrical line engineer guy? Yeah, that's the one I was thinking of when I watched this trailer. Uh, end of the line. End of the line. Then you know, then we've had Gotti and and there is his John Wick film, which I thought was actually pretty decent. Um, his, his take on the sort of vigilante kind of thing. That that um, I've forgotten the title of it now. I am Wrath. I am Wrath. Yeah, it's good. I, I enjoyed that. Um, yeah, so that then Gotti, then Speed Kills, and now we've got him here playing a kind of a washed-up NASCAR-style driver, uh, racing driver, whose um, son is kind of eclipsing him. Um, although there's a sort of tension between the two because you know, the son doesn't want to be racing for his dad, basically. And along comes uh, Michael Madsen as a sort of very shady racing manager who sort of snatches him away. And it kind of makes um, Travolta decide to come out of retirement and uh, start racing again. I, I must admit, I like the idea of this film. I, I do. Um, you know, it, it's something kind of old-fashioned about it. It's... Yeah, oh, definitely. We've seen loads of sort of family racing drama, stuff like this. I, I mean, I can't think of one. I'm sure, I'm sure like Dennis Quaid did one or something. But it's got decent production values. I'm quite interested in the car scenes because it they're they're racing on like dirt tracks 
Yeah, I think it's sort of like it's just, it's not sort of like you know sort of NASCAR ra- racing venues. This is sort of like um, you know sort of trailer park kind of racing, and it? it's it's like you know homemade racing track almost by the looks of it. But um, yeah, you know, I suppose it'd be the equivalent of like Formula Three or something like that. So, but yeah, look, I think it looks pretty decent for what it is. And it's got Shania Twain in it. Yeah, that was kind <laughs> of. I don't know. That's a bit random. It was a bit random. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, he shot this in 2017, uh, I think, or yeah, something like. I think it's shot in late 2017. So it's taken a little while, uh, like most of them do. So I don't know where it, whether he made this first or Speed Kills or something. But isn't it weird how he keeps making all these playing a real life person movies? Yeah. <laughs> so he likes his sort of blue collar roles as well, doesn't he? Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, I don't know. Was the end of the line based on a true story, or uh, you know, just sort of inspired by true? Yeah, I think it's more sort of inspired by it. Wasn't it? Yeah. Because that had that was the same kind of uh, family drama kind of thing, wasn't it? It he was, was, yeah, yeah, exactly. But I like that movie. I thought that he was okay, in it. and uh, yeah. yeah. So uh, yeah, I'm I'm definitely curious to take a look at this. Moving on to our next one, it's called Escape from Death Block Thirteen. Now this stars Robert Bronzy, the second incarnation of Charles Bronson, basically, isn't it? So. Um, yeah, let's say the more you see of this guy, you just think, geez, yeah. it's uncanny. <laughs> the weird thing is, I actually watched two Charles Branson, Charles Branson, Charles Branson films this weekend. Um, I, I watched uh, Breakout because it's part of my, um, my ongoing project. I've watched two films from every year. Oh, yeah. Um, since I was born. And you've never it. seen it. And I've never seen it. So, yeah, that one had. Um, Jill Ireland and Robert Duvall in it, and it was, it was, and, and even John Huston uh, in that one. So oh, was, that was actually pretty decent. Uh, and the other one was Ten to Midnight, which is one of the films he did for Canon. I love Ten to Midnight. Yeah, that was uh, it was an interesting sort of police procedural um, thing. Uh, naked serial killer. <laughs> naked serial killer, indeed. Yeah. I remember that. I used to watch that film all the time when I was like too young to watch it because <laughs> it was just mm-hmm. the guy still going around stalking the girls and then he's like and then Charles Bronson comes after him with a big gun basically <laughs> good fun film so how do you how do you rate uh, having revisited um, Charles Bronson's work does do you still think he looks that much like him or does he do you know is he just like our idea of what Charles Bronson he, he, I think he's sort of more like our idea uh, he, he what he reminds me of actually do you remember the comedian Paul Hogan, you know, the Australian? Mm. Yeah. He, when he had his TV show, um, he did an impersonation of Charles Bronson, you know, in like a sketch. And I always remember it. And um, that's, that's what uh, Robert Bronson actually reminds me of. He, he reminds me of Paul Hogan doing an impression of Charles Bronson. I was thinking of, uh, there's a character, there was a, a Simpsons spoof yeah. or something with a guy who looked like Charles Bronson. I was thinking he looks like the, he looks like the Simpsons version of Charles Bronson. Yeah. But, but he's still very cool, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, certainly fitting a role. I, I just wish the budgets of the films that he's in were a bit better, basically. Yeah, we got his first film, Death Kiss, or not his first film, sorry. I think it's actually his second, because mm. uh, he did a Western first. But the um, Death Kiss is due out here in a few months' time, I think. All right. And, um, yeah, this one, I'm not sure when it's coming out. I noticed Lawrence Hilton Jacobs is in the cast. Uh, he was a bit of a... I think like PM DTV action movies kind of stuff he did back in the 
back in the day. I'm not sure what else he's done. I think he was he was probably on TV or something. But there's as I say there's um there's him and I think there's like, somebody else in the cast uh, recognizable. But you know yeah it's a low budget. Movie. prison movie where he's you know banged up in some sort of dodgy prison basically lots of inmates fighting each other lots of guards on the take and sort of killing people um and of course it all gets sort of very retribution-y towards the end bargain um, basement escape plan basically indeed, yeah but yeah more, more blood scripts <laughs> anyway uh moving on to our next one it is the watchdog um in this one we have a guy going around as a vigilante he's trying to clean up his neighborhood um, I, I'm not sure about this one. I don't know how you feel about it. Well, I mean, are you familiar with this Paul Mumford guy? I'm not, no. Uh, he rem- from what I mean, I've never seen any of the movies, but he seems like a Franklin Correa type. Right. Uh, so you know, we're talking micro budgets, mm-hmm. you know, self, you know, financed, you know, starring role projects. Um, it, it's not treading any new ground, you know, mm. and you know, we've seen this sort of stuff done so much better with Death Wish and whatever, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. So I'm just not sure what whether there's a huge market for a micro-budget Death Wish. I mean, Death Kiss only just yeah. came out, basically. Um, and they've, they've, they've tried to sort of angle it towards the superhero thing a little bit with the mask, which, again, yeah. loads of people have done that. Mm. You know, Prey of the Jaguar, Maxwell Caulfield, and loads of other stuff. Yeah. So... I'm, unless there's some really good action scenes in it, I think that, that another trailer is kind of going to have to sell me on. Uh, that there's nothing here really that grabs uh, me. That's right. Yeah, and and as it, you know, the action that you do see is, is um, you know, it's it's not the best. Let's, let's leave it at that. Um, but we're, yeah, we need to see a bit more of it to sort of make a, a sort of proper decision, I guess. Yeah, I'm not sure if it's. I'm. A, I believe it's a feature. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if it turned out to be a short, but I, as far as I'm aware, it's it, it is a feature film. Yeah, or started as a short, maybe. Mm, maybe. Moving on, uh, chokehold. Now, I, I had sort of, you know flashbacks to Lady Bloodflight and um, Female Fight Club. Watching this, I'm sure you had similar thoughts. Um, we have Casper Girls Van... Fight Tonight was another one that popped into my head. All right, didn't know that one. Yeah, Casper Van Dien though turns up. Um, so, so there's a plus straight away, as far as I'm concerned. Um, there's an actor in this who looks, you know, the guy who's, you know, trying to trying to fix the matches. He reminded me of DB Sweeney, and I thought it was DB Sweeney until a different name popped up. Um, but I must admit, I, I kind of like the look of this. I do. Not the main guy, Lachlan Monroe. Um, the, the, sort of, the guy who looks a bit like Gary Busey. Yeah, I thought I thought that was DB Sweeney. Oh no, no, he's a. Yeah, Lachlan Monroe's been around for ages. He's loved it. He's done all sorts of stuff from like High Voltage with Isaac Florentine to uh, True Justice with Steven Seagal. Uh, he's kind of a staple character actor kind of guy. And then you've got Kit Pardue in there as well. What I what rubs me up the wrong way with this is you've got three male starring roles: Casper Van Dien, Lachlan Monroe, and Kit Pardue, and it's a female-led martial arts film. <laughs> it's like the female, the main female characters are not a subordinate to some guys who appear in a handful of scenes, probably. Which is... Yeah, that's that's the way it's been played out. Yeah, no, it's um, yeah, but I'll, I'll be interested to see it. I must admit. Yeah, I say, 
I'm curious. We've seen a lot of stuff like this. I'd like to see if they develop the characters well in a similar way to like Female Fight Club and that. And the the fight scenes didn't look didn't look as, great. Didn't look great. No. But, um, but so, we didn't really see a lot of it. Either. No, which is a worrying sign, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, you think a film like this is if it's relying on Casper Van Dien in a cameo and stuff, it's not the best for a martial arts. That's the thing, isn't it? I mean, you know. The, the people who cut trailers, you know, are, are usually not, you know, are totally removed from the people actually making the film. I mean, I remember Ross Boyas telling me um, when he saw the trailer for his own film, he was really grateful that they ended on that joke about sort of, you know, first rounds on me, lads. Um, you know, because he's like, oh, thank God, you know, they actually got the humour, you know, when they were cutting the the trailer. But he, he had absolutely no input in, into it, you know. So, which so, is weird when you consider how many trailers I think he's made. <laughs> know, yeah. So, so yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if the people who looked at this went, "Oh, Casper Van Dien's in it. We'll, we'll stick him in the trailer." You know, even though he gets killed in the trailer. Even. So. <laughs> yeah, as, as far he's like the the catalyst or something almost for, for some of the action. So you, you know he's not going to be in it very long. <laughs> That's true. But he's one of those actors. I mean, you know, I know he, you know, he, when, when Starship Troopers came out and everyone went, oh, they've just put like, you know, he's just putting like a pretty face in the, in the film. Um, but the thing is, I like the guy. You know, I, I like the films. I, I like him in films, basically. I liked his version of Tarzan as well. So yeah, in, in, you know, I'll, I'll be interested to sort of see him in it, even if it's uh, an extended cameo. Now, there's a film that we were gonna, that was. That, uh, were, that was listed to talk about before this one hmm. uh, because it uh, because it's also another vigilante themed film and it's called a vigilante. What do you think about that one? Oh, have I skipped it? I have, haven't I? Yeah. Oh, that's annoying. I, was, I totally screwed up your. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> this looks now, like a much better vigilante film than Watchdog, wouldn't you agree? It's in. It's a lot better. Yes. Um, so it, this is about a woman who uh, is being abused by her own husband and decides to fight back, and then decides to help other women um, overcome their own abusers. So, yes. So she trains herself in martial arts and things, and um, yeah, becomes a sort of kick-ass kind of woman. Um, yeah, very interested to see this. Uh, I must admit that you know the action, the the way it's shot. You know what? What we see is it's it's uh, economical. It's to the point. It's it's well made. Um, yeah, I, I'd be very very interested to see this. This is a, an indie movie, uh, much more about the character development than it is about the action. There's a few. There's only sort of brief moments of action. It's the film that came to mind first of all was Destroyer with um, Nicole, Kid- Nicole Kidman because that's being quite. Uh, acclaimed at the moment for, for mm. sort of similar reasons, I think is you know strong female-led uh, mm. drama uh, with a little bit of action in it. Um, but the other one that I thought of was Enough with uh, Jennifer Lopez. Oh, so right. this this is like a much better version of Enough. <laughs> I think yeah. I don't know if you ever saw that movie, but that that was right. a similar concept of uh, an abused woman who learns martial arts to you know fight back against her she doesn't become a vigilante so there's not that element but uh she sort of learns to defend herself and go uh yeah. so that when her husband comes back she can uh, she's ready for she it. can show and she's had enough yeah so the i think this 
this is going to be very, very interesting. And uh, I'm also, on a side note, I'm very interested to find, uh, see Destroyer as well, uh, which uh, yeah. I'm not sure if, uh, if you know much about that one, but that's that's uh, that's quite intense as well. There's, um, there's another in- film I, I came across recently, um, which I was reminded of here, called A Lonely Woman. Um, not familiar with that one. No, it's, it's, it's worth looking up, um, trailer for. Maybe we'll sort of put it on the coming soon for next time. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's, it's another one where a woman who's, you know, f- finds herself in a sort of bad situation ends up reinventing herself as um, a sort of vigilante, sort of going after the people who did her wrong. So, yeah. A lonely woman. That's a that lonely woman, yes. Yeah. Right. And what have we got next? Uh, we have, getting back into the right order. Okay, so Jamie Bell is an actor who, you know, has made some interesting career choices. Uh, he was in, um, oh, what's that? Billy Elliot. Obviously in Billy Elliot. Then he was, he was in King Kong with um, uh, Jack Black and everything. He was also in, um, what's that horrible film, the Irvin Welsh one? The. Um, the follow-up to Train Spotting. Uh, was he in the Acid House? No, the one, no, the one with uh, Phil. Phil. So Phil. Was he in Phil? With, um, James with, McAvoy. Uh, James McAvoy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He plays. He plays his partner. Uh, his police partner in that one with a Scottish ah. accent. Ah. He, you know, he's a lot bigger basically. And now he turns up in this thing as as the lead of um, you know, this again sort of, you know trailer park guy sort of trying to break out of his environment and the only way he can is to take part in this sort of massive MMA style brawl um, in his hometown um, It's like a group cage fight isn't it? It's like a group cage fight and the winner takes all from the yeah. of it. it's a, a price of 100,000 but the trouble is you've got Frank Grillo in there as well who's um, you know sort of one of the local sort of crime bosses or something and um, he's up to some pretty nasty stuff in this it it looks down and grimy and everything, but at the same time, it, it very, very compelling. I, I feel the need to see this film. You know, um, it's not a case of, oh yeah, maybe I'd like to see that. It's like no, I, I really do want to sort of sit down and watch this. It's um, yeah, very, very compelling trailer. So comparing this to Chokehold, hmm. um, which is uh, a, a, another. Um, Fighting movie, basically, you know, fighting movie. Somebody you know, trying to uh, get the uh, win the prize and stuff like, you know, get get a new life and whatnot. So there's a similarity with this one. But the other similarity is this is billed as a Frank Grillo movie, yeah. but Jamie Bell looks like he's the lead. So what's going on? It's like and Jamie Bell in the credits. So why do why do we spend all the trailer with Jamie Bell? Almost. And, yeah. And Frank Grillo gets, I mean, who barely says a line, but they show him a lot in the, in, you know, well, here and there they show him a lot in the trailer. So why is he getting top credit? <laughs> so I'm really annoyed. It's the same problem as with Chokehold, basically. It's like the main people, or who, who appear to be the main people, are not getting the top billing, which is always a frustration. But this, this kind of reminded me of, um, what's that film, Small, Ta- Small Town Crime? Oh, yeah. Is that uh, John Hawkes? I think so. Um there's two films that came out with very similar titles, um, Small Town Crime and Small Town Criminal, I think was the other one. 
Um, yes, yeah, so so small town crime is the one I'm thinking of. Yeah, um, the other one's got um, Costa Werner in it. Um, mm-hmm. Nicolo Costa Werner. Um, both good films, but small town crime I thought was superb. Um, so yeah, it's that, it's that kind of indie sort of crime drama thing going on, you know, but but very well shot, very well made. Yeah, so it's sort of a no nothing, you know, nothing town. There's you know everyone's mm-hmm. poor. There's not a lot going on. Uh, high high end fight drama, basically. Mm-hmm. The something like, I so you could sort of put it similar to something like The Fighter, the Mark Wahlberg film. You know, something that's you know awards contender kind of, you know, reached Absolutely. for that kind of reaching for that. I believe it's based on a graphic novel, um, which is quite curious. The other thing, as a side note to this, mm-hmm. um, have you seen Frank Grillo's TV show uh, oh, on no. Netflix, Fight World? Is it on Netflix? Yeah. Okay. No, I haven't seen that yet. Yeah, because clearly the guy is very, very interested in fighting. Yeah. Uh, you know, we've seen him do uh, martial arts, you know, sequences and stuff in, yeah. or or just appearing in martial arts infused you know filled films like uh, wolf warrior 2 and beyond skyline and this is probably his first that i can think of you know that i'm aware of uh first sort of fighting you know real fighting a fighter role so that will be quite interesting um he's got a great presence so i'm I'm not surprised they're selling the film on his you know appearance so uh, yeah very interested to check it out it's it's interesting i mean you know Jamie Bell's, he, he, he's almost sort of one of those sort of chameleon actors, you know, he's, he's, he's doing very well sort of like, you know, immersing himself into roles that he just, you know, it's only when his name's mentioned, he go, what? Oh I, shit, that's, that's Jamie Bell. I tell you what we watched with him, Six Days. Yes, that's right. That yeah, was really good. This one. Yeah. yeah. He was really exactly. good enough. Yeah, Absolutely. And by the way, the film is called Donnybrook. We haven't actually mentioned that. <laughs> so, yeah, so yeah, Donnybrook. Donnybrook. Was, um, def- definitely look out for that. Um, okay, so this next one, I-, I don't know about you, mate, but this came out of nowhere as far as I'm concerned. Um, this is called We Die Young. And ostensibly, it's about a young kid trying to get out of um, this sort of gangster life. He, 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 he was a runner for um, sort of. What's that name? What's the name of the um, the gang? MS13. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. Well done. <laughs> I was going to say I ain't got a clue. Yeah, uh, yeah the, I think you um, remember that. Just the, you know, sort of Donald Trump's favourite um, boogeyman, MS13. Um, oh really? I'm not familiar with this. At oh all. yeah. Well, MS. Yeah, that's what he keeps saying. This is why he needs his wall, you know, to stop out MS13 sort of uh-huh. coming over and. Uh, and killing everyone in their beds and all that stuff. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. So anyway, uh, he works very topical then. Indeed. So this kid works for MS13, um, and realizes that his younger brother is being pulled into the life as well, and tries to get them both out, um, and ends up being rescued by none other than Jean Claude Van Damme, who, from the from the trailer at least, seems to be mute, thanks to being shot in the neck um, in a sort of mission when he, when he was in the army gone wrong um i did not that i did not get that at all <laughs> but um but no you, you're quite possibly right but i didn't pick up on that so well well, the, well, well done the, well the trailer starts with him in in uniform you know and, so, and someone sort of tending to a neck wound hmm. and then it sort of jumps then it sort of forgets all that and you get a voiceover with the kid 
sort of saying, I work for the biggest gang in LA, and all this sort of stuff, as if he's really, really proud of it. Um, and then sort of Jean-Claude turns up, he never says a word in the film at all, or in the trailer at least. Oh. So, oh, it yeah. makes sense. Um, but yeah, once again, the uh, same as with Donny Brook, we're in the territory of selling it on a, you know, a fairly brand name star, and not surprising at all with Jean-Claude Van Damme, you know, Bruce Willis and Sylvester Stallone, blah, blah, blah. We've seen it so many times before. He doesn't seem to be in this film a lot, <laughs> despite what the trailer and the um, poster or whatever tried to make us think. It's like Jean-Claude Van Damme, mm. we die young, you know, kind of. It's like, yeah, I think he's probably going to turn up in like the final act or something to actually do the action, whereas the rest of it is kind of yeah, the drama great. with the young kid. And there's a whole sort of Mr. Miyagi ish kind of thing going on with him although i tell you what the film was did it remind you of any film in particular before i say what it was reminding me of no not really okay uh, war veteran makes a friendship with a young kid and tries to help him oh, it could be equalizer 2 basically could be, could be equalizer 2 i'm thinking grand torino oh okay yeah. so there's there's a uh, there seems to be a similar sort of war veteran you know mm-hmm coming out of his shell, you know, he, he doesn't really, you know, he's sort of escaped from the world, post-traumatic stress and all this sort of stuff, and he helps this kid out um, in the Jean-Claude Van Damme way rather than a Clint yeah. Eastwood, you know, <laughs> going out, going out <laughs> pretty much straight away kind of way. But, um, yeah, so I'm curious about it. And say I'm not, I'm not, I'm a bit distor- disappointed having seen all the posters and stuff saying Jean-Claude Van Damme and then the film trailer actually turning up and me going, where is he? For half the time, yeah. uh, that's kind of that's very much dampened my enthusiasm. But yeah, I'll check it out. It's a bit disingenuous to call your film "We We Die Young" and then have Jean Claude Van Damme, who clearly isn't young anymore, uh, <laughs> in it. So clearly, not everyone dies young. You know, <laughs> you've broken your title already. We um, die young, except for el- elderly or not elderly, ever, you know, mature uh, Jean Claude Van Damme. <laughs> Okay, let's wrap up with our final film. It is called Reborn. Um, I'm getting sort of real vibes of films like The Fury and Carrie with this one. Um, Good-looking cast, you know, Barbara Crampton's in there, and oh, I can't remember who the other person was now. Michael Parry. Michael Parry, indeed, yeah. Um, yeah, so we have a young woman who discovers she's got some sort of telekinetic powers and uses them on anyone who sort of pisses her off and gets in her way. Um, she tries. She's trying to find her mum or something. Trying to trying to find out her sort of parents and things like that. She discovers that she was adopted, I believe. Indeed, yeah. Um, it's it's one of those films. It kind of looks cheap at times, but at the same time, uh, there's some nice sort of gory effects going on as well. Yeah, there's been a lot of Carrie movies. Uh, you know, the cat, the original, then the remake. Uh, oh, sorry, then the, there was the sequel and the remake and the other remake and. Firestarter is the other film that you know this this film's been quite upfront about its references they, oh, yeah, there's, even, there's even a quote that they use that says Carrie meets Firestarter which probably wasn't meant as like a a, a, a ringing endorsement <laughs> it was probably just like a stated fact and they just thought yeah, yeah that sounds like it, it's a great way to promote the film um it looks it looks decent what's interesting is uh, this is directed by a guy called Julian Richards who is a British filmmaker made a, a film called Last Horror Movie. Oh yeah, a long time ago, which I yeah. which was a bit of a man bite stop knockoff, which I really really liked. Saw it at Fright Fest uh, mm-hmm. way back when, and uh, made a big impression on me. So 
I'm I'm very interested to see it out check it out for that reason really. Cool. Yeah, I'll certainly check it out. Um, we'll sort of program it in probably for when it comes out on DVD or ends up on Shadow or wherever. But anyway, that, those are our eight films for this week. It's the end of the coming soons. It's time for our first feature review, and it is The Fifth Passenger. In this sci-fi tale, five crew members are forced into an escape pod built for four after their starship is destroyed. Just as rescue seems imminent, an alien creature boards their craft and attacks them, killing them off one by one. Now, this film, um, you know, is garnered a bit of attention because in its cast, it has managed to put three... um, sort of stars of the uh, Star Trek series. So we've got Marina Sirtis, who played Diana Troy in um, uh, Next Generation. We've got Tim Russ, who played Savick? No, Savick. Tuvok. Tuvok, there you go, in um, Star Trek Voyager. And Armin Shimmerman, who... Oh, God, who was he? he was Quark, wasn't he? Quark, that's right, yeah. Um, in uh, Deep Space Nine. So, of those three, um, unfortunately, Marina Sirtis gets the short sh- short end of the stick um, because basically her role is. So, what happens in this film is this: you know, that they they come across this escape pod, which only has one person left on it in a sort of catatonic state, and they have to access her memories basically to find out what happened, which is you know the usual sort of VR headset kind of thing mm-hmm. and unfortunately it's marina Sirtis's job to wear the vr headset and access their memories and that is more or less her job done um apart from some lines of dialogue early on um tim russ and armin shimmerman get much more to do um in this sort of um in this particular universe earth has gone to shit and there's two casts of people there's sort of the the people who um are called citizens who you know rule over everything, and then you got everyone else and um, who are just like treated like shit. Um, so there's you know definite sort of caste system going on. And Tim Russ's character is a citizen, and he, he he comes aboard this thing acting incredibly opinionated and sort of just irate with everyone. Uh, whereas our hero, uh, which is Eve Miller, played by Morgan Lariah. Um, is even though she's a lieutenant on the um, the starship, is not a citizen and is basically treated like shit anyway. So, yeah, unfortunately, once they board the shuttle, not a lot happens. It is just a lot of bickering. Um, you know, it's it's a very much a lifeboat story for for a lot of its running time. Yeah, there's a little bit of excitement when they come across another um, escape pod. And you know, have to board it and um, sort of scavenge for parts and things like that. And that's when this alien sort of parasite creature sort of gets on board. But other than that, it's um, it's, it's pretty by the numbers. Yeah, it's there's another film. We're, there's another film we're going to talk about later, which doesn't sound dissimilar in uh, in the alien knockoff stakes. Hmm. <laughs> but um, yeah, Doug Jones from who's well known for stuff like Pan, Pan's Labyrinth and Hellboy and or help with two and uh, shape of water as well, but he's in Star Trek Discovery, so there's another uh, Star true, yeah. Trek association there. Who is he in this movie? Um, 
I couldn't tell you, to be quite honest. He, he, he must be in it for like one scene. Oh, okay. Um, he sort of comes and goes sort of very quickly. Plays a character called Landon. Yeah. Rings any um, nope. Uh, hardly in it at all. Uh, I'm just trying to see the other guy. Though. It's not from anything. There's um, this whole thing about these uh, sci-fi movies made that can't do these sort of stunt casting mm. to appeal to the, the audiences so that this has been clearly made to appeal to a Star Trek fan base. It has. In, in um, the same way that a, hmm. you know, the fan-made, you know, fan films, even Tim Russ directed hmm. one called, which was supposed to be a pilot, or it was a pilot, called uh, Star Trek Renegades, which had loads of Star Trek actors in it. And there was also way back when Walter Koenig in 2008 made a film called Inanimate, which actually starred Richard Hatch, but had loads of Star Trek people in it yeah. as well. So it's another one, isn't there? It's some, um, oh, what's it called? Encounter at somewhere. There's another one which which um, I think Paramount actually squashed. Oh, that's the Axanar. Axanar um, one, yeah. Yeah, the prelude okay. to Axanar. That was going to be a series and stuff. But yeah, Brit in in Britain we've had uh, Doctor Who stuff made with oh, yeah. you know Doctor Who actors with- not playing. So there's another one called there's one called the Air Zone Solution, which has all the principal living doctors at the time yeah. uh, cast in the in the movie, which was not at all Doctor Who related, which is really unusual for those projects. Hmm. So it was like a standalone film, you know, made very much a DTV low budget film, uh, which funnily enough has turned up on Amazon. I'm suspecting now, probably <laughs> illegally. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's this whole thing. So do you think that so? Keeping that in mind, the Star Trek fans mm. as, as the target for this, are they going to enjoy it, do you think? I think so, because, as I say, the Armin Shimmerman and T- Tim Russ are really good in it. Um, you know, they don't play to type either. Um, Shimmerman is the sort of ship's doctor. Um, and, he, you know, he has, he's quite a sort of sympathetic character. And, uh, yeah, Tim Russ is, is a complete bastard, basically. <laughs> you know, you can't <laughs> wait for him to get chomped. But but very good in the role, yeah. Um, the trouble is, you know, there's not a lot to the film, unfortunately. It, it sort of um, it does drag at times, you know, because a lot of it is just people sort of bickering over, like, well, you know, I'm I'm a better than you because I'm a citizen and you're you're nothing and all this sort of stuff. Yeah. So you know, scores on the doors. I'm probably going to give this a five out of ten. Our next review is Dead Trigger, starring Dolph Lundgren. A mysterious virus has killed billions and turned many others into bloodthirsty zombies. Unable to stop the virus, the government develops a video game, Dead Trigger, that mirrors the terrifying events that curse the world. Um, I've got mixed feelings about this film. So you were saying, Rich, it's also known as Dead Trigger something something? So the actual title that comes up on the movie, which is the original title on, on the, the original poster that was put out, is Dead Trigger Unkilled, because it's a spin-off from the Dead Trigger video game. The, mm. But on the cover that has been released by uh, Thunderbird Releasing have put it out over here. I think it's probably the same case in America with that. It's, you know, it's being marketed now as Dead Trigger, but the film title is actually Dead Trigger Unkilled. Um, don't know why they cha- don't know why they did that. Don't know why they changed that. Who knows? But that's that's a that's one of the weird little things about it. 
Did, so admit, you've got I, mixed I, feelings I, about it. Why is that? I do. Well, well, just before I get into that, am I right in thinking that this is a kind of last Sapphire situation? I must have missed this in the plot when I was sort of watching it. Um, so they've, they've invented this video game called Dead Trigger, and the idea is the people who are actually good at the game are then sort of recruited into this sort of Black Ops style um, sort of zombie killing unit. Yeah. So it's your usual bunch of you know, reprobates recruited into uh, an elite unit. It's just in this case, yeah. the elite unit is uh, the, the people they're recruiting are kids that play video games, <laughs> which must, is uh, an interesting see, I, concept. I, I must have missed part of that because, uh, you know, as I'm watching it, I'm thinking, why did they, why on earth would they put this band of people together? I couldn't understand, the, the, you know, that, that sort of concept at all. But I just thought, like, oh, they were sort of like, you know, signed up been offered something because I think one of them was like you know in trouble with some gangsters or something and been yeah. rescued at the last minute and you know I don't know they were all it's it's all it's that usual they some mysterious people turn up and they give them a, a, a give them this you know option and they they basically got nowhere better to go so they yeah. go all right I'll go with you and that's happens in most of the cases I hadn't picked up on what you were saying about the government, I mean, it was probably in the exposition that the, 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 they created this video game that they're playing and, and that's sort of how they've been trained to go into it. I just figured they were just kids who played a particular, a video game. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I miss the fact that it was mimicking it's, the real life situation, which does make sense. It does make sense, unfortunately. And as, as I say that because it's that last scene that really lets the film down for me. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, that's, uh, we don't want to go into it to, to spoil it but yeah it does it does disappoint i, it, I felt it, it it deflates a lot of what we've you know what, what we've um been watching and what we've sort of got invested in and all of a sudden it's it's made meaningless at the I, end. I think it was a mistake definitely uh the i think they should have ended it on you know a little bit sooner before mm-hmm. taking it down that route moving on if i may mm-hmm. to dolph lundgren now, I was really worried that he wasn't actually going to be in this very much, yeah, especially after that. Tender. Yeah, especially, if, I mean, after that opening where all these, you know, cast of unknowns are established and we spend a lot of time bringing him in. And then it's like, oh, he's the guy who's going to whip him into shape. You know, he's the Ali Ermi or whoever. And no, he is actually with the team the whole way. I thought it was going to be like against the dark with Steven Seagal, where Seagal just appears every now and again or something. But yeah. no, Dol- L- Lundgren is leading the team. He's pretty much in every scene. <laughs> he, he's consistent presence throughout, and he really does bolster it uh, a huge deal. You know, without this, without Lundgren, I think this would have been a, a different kettle of fish. Um, yeah, there he's he's really good. That, yes, he is. He's very good in this. There are attempts at doing a sort of um, a Starship Troopers style. Yeah sort of sardonic take on on things that you know you have Definitely. these sort of recruitment videos and things and there, there is one scene which you know genuinely made me laugh out loud where you got this you know they're at this sort of firing range and they're sort of being told to sort of kill a zombie sort of thing you know and this one kid who's supposed to be the best of them all ends up sort of shooting himself in the head That's probably accident. That's probably the best bit in the film, I think. That's uh, yeah, really well really, played. It really was very well done, it, and it literally made me laugh out loud. Um, so, yeah, good on you for that. 
it's it's not a bad story overall it's one of these ones where you you know it's it's one of those missions where you know over the course of the film the cast is going to get whittled down to just a handful mm. you know um there's loads and loads of zombies popping up all over the place and there's, there's other little sort of twists going on you know sort of the company behind the virus is evil believe it or not and all this sort of <laughs> stuff yeah it, it there's a lot going on um it's yeah a little bit overly cynical at times you know especially with the sort of the evil organized corporation and that um but it it doesn't get in the way of the fact that killing zombies is cool i got i got i was struck very very much by the fact that it seemed like a very a, a film with a very limited budget hmm. but that it used that budget very well the the it, it's not packed with you know the locations are quite isolated there's not yeah. huge numbers of extras uh, you know there's there's a couple of bigger bigger scenes the the film doesn't play out with any massively you know enormous set pieces or anything the you you've got uh, Lundgren in there but you, what I was surprised by you also get Isaiah Washington uh, yeah. who, who was in uh, Exit Wounds and Romeo Must Die and stuff. I didn't realise he's actually not had that great of a career, which was kind of mm. a real... I, when I looked at what he's been doing for the last 10, 15 years, not amazing stuff, like really quite obscure bits and pieces, but he's a really great um, presence. He's not in the film a massive amount, but he contributes uh, a nice quality. We've also got Oleg Taktarov, who's, who's yeah. a, a Russian UFC, uh, or MMA at yes. least, I was going to mention him because he, you know, he's been in a few things. He was in um, Predators. Uh, that's, that's probably the first film I saw him in. Do you remember Fifteen Minutes with um, Robert De Niro? No. There were two. Like, I think I'm pretty sure he was one of the two bad guys in that. It was quite, quite high, a very high profile he, thing. Yeah, he was, he was in that as well. Um, and he was also in the one with um, uh, Lewis. Um, I think, what's his name? Um, the, the Battle Drone one, which is on. Oh, Battle Drone, is he? Yeah, yeah, he's in that as oh, well. Excellent. Yeah. Um, yeah. So this is probably the biggest role I've. This is probably the biggest role I've seen him in in hmm. a long time. I mean, I know he he did do a, a few sort of fair to middling sort of leading roles. I think he did a Russian film called uh, Red Red Serpent with uh, Roy Scheider uh, and and a few other people. I think Michael Paré was probably in that as well. But the yeah, so. I, I enjoyed seeing him in a role that really got fleshed out. Uh, yeah. He's usually just like the sort of uh, muscular guy who's there to, you know, get get knocked off, you know, like a red shirt kind of character. Mm. Uh, and in and this, we see him have a you know fight with Dolph Lundgren and everything. It's great. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, my, my I think my only real bugbear of it is uh, I think it's a bit a bit too long for its own good. Um, you know the action does get a bit repetitive after a while, and it's you know and, and without sort of spoiling what it is, just that final scene, it, it deflates a lot of what has gone before. Unfortunately, this brings to mind, uh, in terms of zombie movies, yeah. it, it made me think of like Return of the Living Dead Four, which was another sort of kids, you know, sort of teens up against yeah. zombies kind of movie. Uh, but more recently, a film we covered. Way back at the start, the resort, yeah. yeah so definitely I, I definitely feel that these two are a little bit peas in a pod ish, really. I think they would work well together in like a double bill. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, definitely. How are you going to score this? Seven out of ten. Yeah, I'm probably 
you know, drop a little bit below and I go six. Yeah, because of that ending, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So six and a seven for Dead Trigger. It's this. Um, yeah, it's it's a decent Dolph Lundgren vehicle. Uh, decent zombies. Uh, check it out. Our next review is All the Devil's Men. A battle-scarred war on terror bounty hunter is forced to go to London on a manhunt for a disavowed CIA operative, which leads him into a deadly running battle with a former military comrade and his private army. Now, this is directed by Matthew Hope, who um, did a film called The Veteran, um, which hopefully we'll talk about in a little minute. Um, but I really enjoyed that film, and so, so I was really pleased to see the, um, following this up. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed this film. It's cynical as hell, but the action is is um, is very well done. Um, what did you think, Rich? I agree. I've watched the veteran. Oh, I, I intended to watch the two back to back, but it, uh, about a week passed between the two. But the 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 same theme is common with both. It's you know it's a a, cyn- a very cynical look at uh, you know uh, action heroes. The that there's not a uh, glory of fighting for your country kind of thing here it's very much a you know people being screwed oh, over and why? you know why are you fighting for your country? why are you doing it you know why? you're being abused and misused and and you know you're just pawns in a game kind of thing so that is developed you know that same idea uh, developed really well for this film which is uh, another film set in in uh, London I believe I, I'm not sure if it was first one was London as well but the, this is definitely London because we see the uh uh, the O2 uh, dome, uh, formerly the Millennium Dome, and stuff in the background, so to speak. It all takes place in the back streets of London, basically, over one night. Um, really, uh, it's quite, I, I guess you would say it was quite low budget because there's not a lot of big set, you know, big scenes, you know, big extras right. and stuff. It's all, say, these back streets and stuff, but that really yeah. works. It's got it a does. real good quality to it. Um, yeah. It's very polished and cast is, you know, excellent. Uh, the director, he, he says that he had in mind stuff like Michael Mann, you know, a collateral and stuff. When and having him, you know, after he'd said that, that actually made a lot of sense because when I'm watching the film, I thought there was a. I don't actually like Michael Mann's stuff personally. I know you're I a fan, yeah, a fan yeah. um, but there's a there's a fantastic realism to the action mm. in this film. It's it's not like anything I've seen lately. Uh, I thought it, I thought it it worked fantastically well. It's interesting you say that. I mean, um, just to touch on the, the veteran, um, there's a scene where he, he gets cut with a knife and he, he goes back to his you know his partner's place. The guy's helping him, and he, he sort of takes him through the procedure of like sort of, you know getting patched up and things. And I was watching it with our friend Will, oh, yeah. um, uh, who at the time was. In the TA, you know, the um, sort of reserves, yeah. and you know, he 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 trained as a medic, and he, he sort of watching that scene. He said that that is exactly how they would talk, you know. That's exactly how they would, uh, you know. It's, it, it, there is that sort of element of realism to it, um, yeah. And you know, just the interesting things like I mean, we've got that you know the the, the pre-mission bit where he um, is assassinating this guy out in Turkey or somewhere, Morocco, uh, Morocco. I was close. And um, you know, it's just the way he does it. You know, he sort of he hacks into their sort of the car's electrics so he can lock the doors 
and, and things like that. You can think, yeah, I can see that happening. I can see, you know, that that's probably sort of quite a realistic thing to do. But um, yeah, just the, the way the action shot, even, even scenes like when they go to the pub to meet, the, you know, to meet that guy, and you know the fact that he's sort of sat with his back to the wall and things, and you know, just in the way they sit around him. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just a really really interesting you know you really get the idea that yeah this is this is how people operate yeah there's a there's a lot of you know particular language that's like mm. um one thing that stuck in my mind was like when there's a there's the gunfight and it's uh, i think he's run out of bullets he says sort of throw down your pistol and they says throw down your long mm. uh which i've never heard before I'm, I'm presuming that's you know quite common parlance in in that sort of uh, community, the 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 film's got a really simple premise. So it's, it all happens over one night. A, a small cast of characters. Mm. It's the usual trying to stop a guy. You know, sort of James Bondy kind of plot, really. Trying to stop a guy before he gets this, you know, MacGuffin, um, Mission Impossible. You know, we've seen it all a million times before, but it's got sort of a fresh feel to it. Uh, I really like the actors, um, Milo Gibson. Is really good in the lead. He looks so much like his dad at times, doesn't he? Don't you think it's funny that he, I mean, when I watched the making of, they said he's twenty-seven. Really? He doesn't. He does not look twenty-seven to me. He, he, older than that. he does look older, doesn't he? And and I think that actually suits the character. If he actually looked twenty-seven, I don't think it wouldn't that, work. It wouldn't work. No, you need to feel that this guy is experienced. And there's a he has this monologue scene where he says about. Um, Sort of like the evil that men do, kind of thing. You know that what what people are capable of and what he's done in the past, mm. and that sort of is a. There's none of the characters in this are good guys, really. You know they've all they've all done horrible, horrible things. You know the bad guys, but also the good guys. And there's people being screwed over, and you know you you sort of align yourself with one person, and then and then you think, oh no, that's horrible, and you know then you align yourself mm-hmm. with someone else. So it's it's a. It's a like you say, very very cynical film. I really like the guy. The guy I hadn't seen before, the British guy playing the, uh, the sort so, of uh, Jason Wilson. Not the yeah. main villain, but you know, like the I'm going to get the job done for you. Yeah, bloke. Yeah. Um, Dayton. Yeah. Dayton. Yeah, he was great. Uh, and he's uh, he said in the making of that he was you know so pleased to be you know getting roles like this because it's not the kind of thing he would have used to have done, but. Uh, William Fickner turns up for a bit of solid, you know, support, a bit like Brian Cox did in, in The Veteran. Yeah. The Veteran for me was a film that was trying to be two films, which you know it didn't mm. settle on one particular. It was like it went started to go down a bit of a Harry Brown vigilante kind of route. Yeah. And actually ended up being a completely different story, but then still tried to tie the two together. <laughs> Whereas. Yeah. Whereas this one, it's straightforward, coherent, although at times still very confusing because of the, you know, uh, so machinations. Crosses and double crosses. Crosses and, and double yeah, crosses, yeah. And you, you just don't know who, especially with sort of like Dayton's character, you know, when he, when he's speaking to um, the character of Lee, who, played by Sylvia Hoax, who's the handler of the sort of CIA, apparently hunter guys, mm. Um you don't know if he's being genuine with her or if he's leading her along, you know, to sort of lure her into a trap, you know. Yeah. But And then, of course, it doesn't matter because his boss then, you know, he doesn't know if he's leading her on or, you know, just 
it, it, it's so murky, you know, and you know people sort of react to their own, you know, to their own nature uh, as a result. It's 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 quite surprising what happens at the end um, to a certain degree. For me, this was like a million times better than something like Stratton. I like this a lot more. I thought it was it worked on a lot more levels. And that uh, Sylvia Hooks character, what was her name again? Uh, Lee. 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 She was she was very interesting because she's so cold and and sort of gentle, um, but at the same time, she's you know really quite. Um, I don't know. It's, it's she doesn't play it villainous at all. No. Uh, but she is you know she's got her reasons why, why yeah. she she is that way but none of the yeah. there's not any you know she sort of doesn't take it to different levels she she's she's sort of a consistent sort of deadpan mm. tone throughout the whole thing and i thought that was a very interesting approach when i saw the actor actress being interviewed mm. funnily enough she's similar to that in real life which i thought was quite curious all the other actors were sort of talking quite you know grandly and, and you know excitedly about the project and she was caught sort of very level you know that was so oh you know so I, i'm not surprised that, that was the performance that that yeah. she ended up giving but it worked really well for the film and a million times better than some like connie nielsen <laughs> in strap just about to say if, if she if she had the connie nielsen role that film would have been so much better <laughs> you know i mean that she she was just like acting in a totally different film in that unfortunately there's a um, moment in this when things all go sideways and uh, uh, Milo Gibson's character gets into his car and he's driving away and there's that sort of hum sort of soundtrack on the, you know, and you don't hear what he's saying or anything, but he's shouting and he's pounding the steering wheel. Yeah. That is in another movie and I cannot remember what it was, but I've definitely seen it before and it really yeah. bugs me. But um, uh, as a, that's just a, sort of an aside. The ending like the very ending, it's it's a bit similar to what, you know, with Dead Trigger. It's really surprising and actually really took me back. And I had to watch it like a couple of times to sort of look for any, you know, to, to try and work it out, really. It was real, well, hack, what? <laughs> it's definitely, you know, it's a very, uh, hang on, <laughs> kind of moment. And it just sort of leaves you there, which I thought was really bold. And actually, in this case, worked. In, in Dead Trigger, it didn't work. Yes, that's right. But um, I, I think it's fair to say that Matthew Hope is a director to keep an eye out for. Yeah, I think he's only done these two, as far as... Yeah, well, he did a film called The Vanguard, which also starred Toby Kettle, which was like a post-apocalyptic film. Oh, did he? He did that as well? I hated yeah. The Vanguard. <laughs> so did I. So which was, I was really looking forward to, because the guy who was the lead in it, he'd made a film I've mentioned before called Soul Searcher, which, I was, a, which was like a low-budget British film. Mm. Um, supernatural martial arts film uh, or supernatural film with some martial arts in it which is really good uh, and then the, yeah, the bank, I bought it uh, and I was just nothing was happening the guy was just running around with his big just beard and stuff it was like yeah. riding, riding around on a BMX or something so. <laughs> oh I don't know I was like I put it I, don't, I can't remember it it's so long ago but yeah the, the veteran was a big improvement and this is an improvement on the veteran so yeah. you know onwards and upwards definitely Absolutely. So, yeah, we, we, we totally recommend this um, here at DTV Digest. If you like a bit of action, want to see a bit of British action at that, um, without any shaky camera or any horrible stuff like this, um, check out All the Devil's Men. Um, I'm giving it an 8 out of 10. And I'm going to give it an 8 out of 10 as well.
Our final review this week is Polar. This is the, one of the latest films to turn up on Netflix, starring Mads Mikkelsen as uh, Duncan Vizsla, the Black Kaiser, is the world's t- most top assassin, uh, but is setting into retirement because he's about, uh, coming up to his 50th birthday. Um, and his former employer, played by Matt Lucas, has decided to stiff him on his, um, his pension and instead have him killed. Uh, ostensibly in a um, one final job but of course it all goes wrong and he has to send in an army of younger fitter sort of more flamboyant killers um okay so this is a definitely a yin and yang film for me um let's uh, get the bad stuff out of the way first and that is the the horrible 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 bunch of asshole assassins who are sent after the Black Kaiser, with their freeze-frame names being popped up in the opening bit when they go off to kill Johnny Knoxville. Um, I mean, the losers came out in what 2002. I don't know. Probably. I don't know. It might have been. Or at least, a, yeah, at least about 2010. No, no, 2010. 2010 was um, the losers. Oh. Um, you know, it, it which was that's it's, it's trying to be that sort of film. You know, it's like, hey, look at us, we're so cool. And it's not cool. It's it's, it's, it's smoking aces. <laughs> smoking aces, all that bollocks. Yeah. And but then on the other hand, you got Mads Mikkelsen, and he's fucking awesome in this film. Um, and you know the the bits with him are really really good. It's just when it goes to these other idiots, and we have to sort of follow them around. Exactly right. It is that sort of smoking aces kind of tomfoolery. Um, anyway, let's let's have your thoughts, mate. Uh, yeah, it's it's another. Oh, it's it's the kind of film that you'd have thought you know we were over by now. This whole Tarantino ripoffs thing, um, and the it's over stylized. Really wants to be a Tarantino film, you know. Really wants to be like Kill Bill, but or or say Smoking Aces. Um, the the director Jonas Ackland made is a music video guy, which is not surprising when you see you know the visual styles and everything in this movie very. Although they're a bit, they go all over the place, but it starts with like really, really bright colors and, uh, and stuff sort of amp, amp, you know, amped up. He did a film called Spun, which is, uh, essentially an American train spotting kind of thing about junkies and, and that uh, had loads of cool people in it, uh, including Mickey Rourke and, uh, Mina Suvari was in there as well. Joseph Schwartz, Jason Schwartzman. Really, really good, fun, fun film. His style worked for that film. Uh, in this case, you know, it's kind of just, say, the whole assassins thing that we've seen a, a million times before. Uh, introduced the cameo of, you know, Johnny Knoxville, sort of uh, the freeze frame thing, which we've seen. And then they're sort of going off and they start singing a song and then a little bouncing ball comes on the screen, <laughs> you know, uh, doing the thing. It's like, oh, what, uh, yeah, I'm not, not quite sure about this. Uh, and it's two hours long, <laughs> this film. Um, the assassins of, you know, straight out of Kill Bill, you know, that whole flamboyant assassin wow. sort of yeah. group. Or other stuff, you know, like you said, anything exactly. like that. We've yeah, smoking aces. So but, yeah, but another film that brought uh, this, because Matt Lucas, surprisingly, is <laughs> the villainous lead of the group, uh, of, of this sort of camp, uh, assassin agency. He's made a film with Jonas Ackerman before, which funnily enough, coincidentally enough, uh, um, 
Dolph Lundgren was in as well, <laughs> uh, called Small Apartments, which I've never, which I've never seen. No. But Matt Lucas was the lead in that film, so which was an American film. He played an American character. So, um, but I've never caught it. It's supposed to be very odd. But his character brought to mind Hannah. Do you remember the? Really? Yeah. Do you remember the guy, the villain in that, the guy in the tracksuit and stuff? You know, there's a real comic book kind of quality to right. Hannah. Uh, and mixed with the serious stuff. So it's like comic book slash serious sort of mixture of the two. And this was reminding me a bit of that. I haven't seen Hannah for a long time. I didn't actually think much of it when I saw it. Uh, it it was kind of in my mind because did you know Amazon are making a TV series out of it? (laughs) So, uh, which is, which is due out in April, I think. So Hannah, the series is coming, but yeah. So the, it's got really, really, really strong violence in places. And I'm thinking specifically of the torture scene with Matt Lucas mm. and Matt Nicholson, which, really which was really not needed at all. Um, I don't know. How do you feel about that scene? It was a bit out of place. Um, yeah. Some of it, you know, on the one hand, it's nice to see a bit of blood and guts being sort of thrown around with sort of headshots and things, but it was just done in such a callous manner you know so these guys going around just killing people willy-nilly it's like you know it it just like no didn't you know it's 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 not enjoyable sort of violence you know mads mickelson sort of taking out sort of 20 guards while sort of naked that that's brilliant you know but um you know guys sort of killing the um the housemaid who just happens to come into their hotel room for no reason is you know stupid basically so, and it's also got this, I mean, I mentioned the characters in terms of yeah. being uh, smoking aces, but also thematically, because, yeah. you know, smoke, like one night. well, you know, smoking aces has got that sort of really serious ending, mm-hmm. uh, you know, yeah. where it's sort of like mix, it's all been sort of light, fluffy, and you know, ha ha ha, and then they try to give it some sort of heavyweight ending, which doesn't really work. And the same is true with this. They sort of try to mix in these really sort of serious themes. Uh, and do some big serious scenes for, for, you know, Mads might have actually sort of pushed for those a bit more. I don't know, but the, that's what was, that was one of the sort of tonal, you know, things that I wasn't quite sure about. If it had been completely, you know, uh, comical, then I might have, and, and maybe not as rapidly violent, because I don't think adding such violence in a sort of comical film is, you know, it works. It doesn't work for me anyway. Um, but, and it's, it's got some quite sexist stuff in there, and it's yeah. I'd say it's a, it's a bit of a mixed bag. One scene I did like was the uh, I don't know if you know what I mean when I say this. I hope, I'm hoping you do the kindergarten cop scene. Yeah, that was pretty, <laughs> that was pretty funny. Yeah, there's um there's another sort of blackly comic scene early on as well where he tries to get a pet. Yeah, but I wasn't sure if that was a if that was an explicit reference to comparisons to be made with John Wick. <laughs> yeah, it didn't cross my mind at the time when I was watching it, but yeah. Because a film like this cannot escape the shadow of John it Wick. It really cannot. John really Wick cannot casts such a long shadow. <laughs> well, not, not only that, but it's it's set in a world where, you know, there, there is a sort of murky underworld of other assassins. You know, he, he goes to certain people for help. Yeah. You know, there's there's clearly a network or, or organisation going on, um, sort of just below the surface of what we know, 
Well, that, um, that's an interesting thing to, for me to think about because I hadn't thought about it at the time. But one of the things I didn't like about John Wick 2 mm. was it had this sort of over-the-top comic, you know, comic-y characters kind of thing mm. going on, you know, the, you know, sort of amped up to 11 kind of thing that this film does as well, which I didn't, which John Wick 2 was, John Wick 1 was a bit more grounded, you know, it's mm. had, had sort of, and the second one, it's sort of amped it up, which is why I'm a bit worried about the third one, I'm not, I'm not sure if I'm going to like But the, um, yeah, I think, I'm not sure if that's, you know, these sort of concerns and, you know, things that we've got about the film are the reason it's got ended up on Netflix or, or, or what, but it certainly seems an appropriate place for it. I to think, be. yeah, I, I think in the wake of John Wick, um, it, it could only end up either on DTV or, or, or Netflix because, you know, it, the, it's, it's the immediate comparison is going to be, oh, it's, it's John Wick, you know, it's that sort of thing. Guy trying to retire from the assassination world just turns out to be still better than every single person in that world. <laughs> you know? um, and maybe uh, he's, maybe the tone and stuff of the film was the director trying to take a job i mean you know like atomic blonde mm. it's it's sort of pushing towards an atomic blonde kind of feel more than a john wick feel oh. it would be, it may be yeah but it, it, but they've gone full smoking aces instead yeah yeah you know which i think was the, the mistake was made. yeah, yeah. um gone too far the other way they've gone beyond atomic blonde in, into sort of real sort of self-parody almost but, you know, as you say, there are some interesting scenes. Uh, and I actually love that final scene. Um, you know, tone and everything. It's not so much, you know, the confrontation, but what happens afterwards. Because mm -hmm. it, it kind of reminded me of the ending of um, uh, three, three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. Oh, right. I haven't seen that. No, it's, it's got a similar thing of two characters, um, you know... Sort of, sort of burying the hatchets kind of thing, you know, and, and sort of maybe sort of pushing on in a new direction. It's, it's yeah, interesting. It's interesting that the um, the poster, um, the Netflix poster, is using this sort of blue and purple hue because that is something which that, that sort of color scheme is very prominent in the trailer for John Wick Three. No. <laughs> um, yeah, maybe. Yeah, that that is that is the new color scheme. You know, we've gone past the teal and orange now. It's 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 now sort of blue, black, and purple. It's going to be the new color scheme that every film is going to end up imbuing. Have you ever seen any of Jonas Ackerman's films before yourself? I don't think so. No, it's he made a serial killer movie called Horseman uh, a while back, that, which it was like a seven knockoff. No, no, that's the Horseman. Uh, this one's this one's called this is the, like a it it starred Dennis Quaid and it was a serial killer movie I basically a, it, a seven yeah. on a knockoff yeah. it didn't perform well at all I I watched it and it was quite forgettable didn't have any particular style that I recall but mm. yeah say so, um, Jonas Ackerman sort of mainly is busy very very busy as a as a very clearly very in demand music video maker yeah. um, but so I do recommend. His film Spun, which uh, was, uh, a, I think it was quite a success when it, when it originally came out. But yeah, him doing this, I want to be Quentin Tarantino things, just wasn't for me. But, Mads, you know, Mads Mikkelsen fans are, are going to 
enjoy his performance in this, definitely. Absolutely. Yes, and when he gets the eye patch, everyone went, ah, it's Solid Snake. <laughs> or Snake Pliskin or something, I don't know. People sort of say Metal Gear Solid, but maybe even sort of remake of uh, Escape from New York. Anyway. How are you going to score it, Mike? I, I think this deserves a 6 out of 10. Oh, I'm joining you. That's exactly what I've got written down. <laughs> yeah, it's on Netflix. Check it out. Um, be warned, it does get pretty violent at times, if, if that's not your thing. Um, but yeah, um, check it out. Time for the short shot. And this week we're looking at a film called Dead Zone. Uh, written and directed by Leroy Kincaid, uh, with the UK thrown into a zombie apocalypse, an ex-soldier and a shop assistant are forced to navigate their way through hostile territory as they look to find their way home and rejoin the rest of their group. So this is, what, 16 minutes, I think? Or 12 minutes. 12 minutes long. Um, and a good portion of that is taken up in a prologue showing a young woman um, who's been bitten uh, slowly turn into a zombie uh, before we join our main characters um, which is uh, it's hot. Ty, it's not Ty and is it Rachel? I think. Anyway um, yeah, Ty is the soldier um, sort of, and, and this girl who are sort of traversing through the forest trying to find their, their other group and uh, come across a few interesting things on the way um, I have to ask, Rich, why why are we still seeing zombie movies? <laughs> well, I mean, well, we saw Dead Trigger, well, Dead Trigger Unkilled was, uh, and you know, stuff like The Resort. I can so I can see the reason for stuff like that. You know, and Dead Trigger. You know, I haven't seen the film with that concept before that I can think of, uh, but this was, you know. It's your standard. It's your standard stuff, isn't it? It's it's. it's... Well, bearing exactly, and bearing in mind we, we've got uh, Redcon One coming out shortly as well, which is a, you know a bigger budget sort of British sort of zombie movie. Uh, we've had the girl with all the gifts, which was an interesting take on on the sort of zombie thing. Um, the fact it's that it's just, a... it's so by the numbers. Yeah, the fact that it's a zombie movie is is you know is not a concern to me. It's the fact that they haven't done anything interesting with it, and more than that. They spend loads of t- time on the pre-title sort of moment, the ex- exposition thing, and then a little bit more exposition. Than and then just as the film is about, just as something is about to happen in the film, yeah, that's the that's end, it. which is a major bugbear on so many short films that I watch, is that they, they end, it ends at the point yes. where something interesting is going to happen, yeah. which is infuriating. <laughs> Absolutely. It's like, what, um, what have I been, you know, why? It's a, it's a really poorly thought, I mean, which is a real shame. I mean, these are clearly people who know what they're doing. You know, Leroy Kincaid's made other stuff like uh, Max Payne Retribution. And, you know, he's he, he an actor as well. He appeared in uh, I Am ben, uh, Vengeance, I Am Vengeance and, and bits like that. He's been around. He's made a lot of shorts and, and stuff. Uh, but, you know, I, don't, I just don't understand why he chose this story which isn't even really a story there's no story here no, it's, it's a little vignette um it's a prelude it's a prologue you know to something else and unless it's like if it was a lead-in to another film or to you know like a series 
Yeah. I could understand it, but it's just sort of a standalone. You know, I'm aware of other projects that he's working on. None of them seem to be related to this. Mm. So the quest, big question mark is why? <laughs> yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah. Um, I, I will give it props for one thing is the transformation scene at the beginning um, is actually done really well. It's, it's all about this woman's face and just the way her expression changes from, you know, being scared and, and terrified to just sort of succumbing to the virus. And, you know, the way her face relaxes and things like that, it's, it's just done really, really well. So, so props to that. It is good, but it's not necessary. It's, it, it doesn't. It doesn't advance the story in any way, shape, or form. It doesn't do anything to the story. It's not, you know, um, it's not referred to or anything not related to any of the characters. It's, it's just, it's, it's two separate things. I would say if, if, um, what would have been better is if that was the film. Mm. You know, if the film was about somebody been, you know, and transforming something, which. Is not again. It's not an original thing. It's been done in Eye Zombie and uh, Shadows of the Dead or something like that. I think it was called. Which I remember being really good when I saw it. Um, but again, at least even if it was not something that's been so done, hmm. but you know, this is you know, Plymouth people have been watching The Walking Dead for what eight or years, five years, ten, yeah, or, or however long. It feels it, like ten years. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how long. Yeah. I mean, this is pointless it's a real shame I, I was really looking forward to it yeah as you say now um just as a complete aside uh we me and my wife have been watching a series on netflix called kingdom have you, have you heard of that one it is it's, it's, not... a, it's a korean series it's a period oh, drama, no. and um it's, it's basically a, a zombie series it's brilliant it's it's about this sort of village that gets overrun by zombies. It, it's absolutely superb. You know, is it like a period are... one or modern? Yeah, no, it's, it's a period one. It's, ah. um, the setup is that the the king, you know, the emperor, has basically died, and the chancellor has forced his physician to sort of bring him back to life, and he's been brought back to life as a zombie. And I'm thinking, well, well, that's fine. He, he, you know, we just need him to sort of stay in this state until. His, his wife has a baby and then we got a legitimate heir to the throne again you know um, but the, the the physician goes back to his home village with his assistant who's been killed and then his assistant ends up being eaten by the other's um, villagers because somebody sort of chopped him up and sort of fed them to the other villagers and they all turn into zombies and it just turns into this huge epidemic it's, it's, it's really well done much better than this, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> it's, not, it's not hard for a film to be much better. It's a real shame. It's a very solidly made film. If it's been, yeah, if it's been made yeah. as a proof of concept or something, again, even that, I don't think it works because I don't think it shows enough of a concept no. to actually develop. The, you know, it's shot well. The, the actors are fine. There's a couple of little bits of action, you know, moments in there. Um, but you just kind of... It, it just ends on this point if you're thinking... Why? Yeah, you're not satisfied. There's no. no. You want to end. You want if you if you're going to do that sort of ending, you you, you want to have it like oh cool ending, you know, or oh, I'm hooked, you know, it's like, oh please make a sequel to this. Whereas it's kind of like with this, it's just thinking 
Yeah, and especially yeah. you know Why? after the whole <laughs> thing with um, um, what's that character Negan in uh, Walking Dead? Um, I can't remember the actor now. Uh, oh, uh, Dean, Dean, Jeffrey like Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Yeah, him. You know, because that's that's kind of what they're ending on, isn't it? It's that, it's that kind of sort of setup. Yeah. Um, it's like, well, yeah, you get to that point, I think, well, obviously they're fucked in, you know, and that's the that's the end of that. So <laughs> yeah, there's nothing there to sort of make you want to sort of see any further. They spend several. They spend like a good few minutes just walking. Yeah. It's like why, what, and then sort of have a little sort of meaningful conversation between the two and stuff, but. Yeah, still, we still, never get to meet or anything. So. Yeah, and, and yes, what? Yeah, so it's a real. I mean, it's a massive, massive step up on Blueprint last week. <laughs> yes. Or last we're episode. Heading, we're heading the right way. Which was not sure. classifiable in any way as as any sure. sort of decent short film. I mean, it was probably the shoddiest thing I've ever seen in my life. Um, this is, you know, there's nothing wrong with this technically. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, technically, it's just, it's just, it's just boring as fuck. It's just a, it's just the beginning of a film that kind of feels like it stops. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Anyway, that's that. We, we don't score our shorts, um, but we will put a link on the uh, in the uh, footnotes for you to check it out. Okay, it's time for our throwback section. This is where we look at films which uh, came out way before we actually got down to doing the DTV Digest. Um, this one was a bit closer to home. It's 2015. It is a film called Inanimate, or that's the title that's um, on uh, Amazon Prime. Uh, it's also known as Harbinger Down. And in this one, we have um, some um, grad students who are studying the effects of global warming on a pod of whales um, on a crabbing vessel um, when they find a frozen Soviet space shuttle and an unintentionally release a monstrous organism onto their boat. Um, now, I ca- came across this film because I was watching a, um, a Good Bad Flicks um, episode on YouTube, and they were talking about the film uh, The Thing, not the John Carpenter one, but the one which came after it, which was a prequel. Um, and it was talking a lot about the effects company who did the original um, effects before they were ditched by the studio because they wanted CGI effects. Um, but it mentioned on there that they went on to do this film called Harbinger Down, which was a Kickstarter um, project, and it was one of the fastest uh, films you know, to get kickstarted, as it were. Um, so you know, I became interested in that. So this is very much, um, you know, it, it, it takes the the thing template. Um, and, and many other films that we've seen. Um, um, what's that one with um, Jamie Lee Curtis? Which is Virus. 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 Yeah. 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 Very similar to that. Um, so yeah, it's a similar sort of setting to that. I I really enjoyed it when it finally got going. I was a bit worried to begin with because we have um, a setup which is very much a. Um, POV shot, you know. It, 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 I was beginning to worry we we're going to be watching a found footage film. Yeah, yeah. Those opening scenes, um, but luckily that isn't the case, and instead we get uh, Lance Henriksen as the um, as the captain of this boat. Um, yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. You say that, 
uh, I didn't have fun with it. Uh, I didn't uh, think much of. Um, I didn't think much of it, to be honest. The visual aspect of it, like you're saying, with that opening scene, I think I'm not sure if it's the way the whether the film has been uploaded in a uh, a different aspect ratio to what it was originally shot in. But the framing is just awful uh, for the most for uh, for a lot of it, and there's yeah. like you know people seem cropped and stuff. So I don't know if it's a, a film that was like two point three five and it, they zoomed it into one point eight five or you know sixteen by nine. So I, I I was intending to try and take a look at the trailer to see if I could see what ratio it was what yeah. ratio that was in, but I wasn't able to. But that was a, a bugbear. Uh, throughout it and some of the visual effects are really good i will give you that you know the or, or i should say the practical uh special effects hmm. are really good and some of the visual effects uh, there's some cgi sort of electrical stuff uh and that happened in which i wasn't a big fan of i didn't really get that uh, you know i didn't really like hmm. that a lot but then i mean the the thing stuff is just so they like really like <laughs> It is the thing. I mean, I'm, I'm really surprised. I'm really surprised. Scene, <laughs> yeah, yeah, go on. There's even a scene where it's like, well, how do we know if you're if they're infected or not? Mm. You know, and it's like the opposite of the yeah. thing always. So it's like, well, you know, it's, it's zero degrees and they're sweating, so clearly they have the alien or something. And there's the the, the whole suspecting. No, no, it's no, it's not me. No, it's not me. <laughs> yeah. And a big sort of crazy thing happens. Uh, I'm I'm very interested to what you just said there about them making this after they were commissioned for mm. the thing. Uh, so clearly they had some, you know, pent up, uh, you know, sort of desire to, you know, complete, you know, finish what they started. You know, they sort of had, they, probably, they, yeah, they'd come up with all these ideas, what they were going to yeah. do, and then it didn't happen. So that's why they've made this film. That makes sense. Because yeah. if there was a DTV sequel to The Thing... If Universal 1440 Entertainment, uh, or if that's, uh, I think that's what they're called, uh, the DTV division had, had made a DTV sequel called The Thing 2, this would be it. <laughs> because this is so the thing, it's unbelievable. Uh, but really, uh, how great is Lance Henriksen in it? I mean, oh, he's superb, yeah. I mean, he's got such presence, uh, and he, he gives, he does what you know all these actors do in these kind of movies you know that filled with cast most cast of mostly unknowns they bring in somebody who's a heavyweight and you know he's got the association to the alien franchise i think the makers of this had worked on alien versus predator which he was also in so that's probably where they met him and got him on board and uh, obviously he was bishop in aliens so there's this whole you know alien the thing it's mainly the thing but there's a bit of alien in there as well it's a, it's a love letter you know it's a passion project it's a fan film, is what it is. Well, that's, that's exactly what it is. It's, it's um, you know, it, it came about through Kickstarter, so you know, it wasn't backed by a studio or anything like that. It was, it was these guys saying, and, and they probably did sell it along those sort of lines, like, like you know, we we had all these brilliant ideas for the thing. We want to sort of you know show you to them, because you know, have you seen that particular episode of Good Bad Flicks that I mentioned? Yes, I have, but I, I, I'd forgotten all about. You know, I, I didn't register at the time, but I do remember seeing some of the some of the footage. And that. Yeah, because you know, they, they showed a stuff. lot of yeah, it was some good stuff. But for some, you know, and, and you know, a lot of people went online sort of saying, oh, you know, maybe we, they could sort of like, you know, put it on the a special edition or something. But you know, no one knows whether or not the footage still exists in, in any sort of shape or form 
it, it's a shame, you know, um, that the studio happened to interfere so much. So, because they, they they went out of their way to sort of make the effects look like the Rob Bodine ones um, in, in the original, um, you know. So, so they they fit in with the time, you know, um, the time frame because it's supposed to be set like you know a week before the the uh, John Carpenter version or something. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's a shame that they, they they didn't get to sort of use them. Um, but there you go. Getting back to this film, I. Yeah. I uh, apart from Lance Henriksen, I did actually like a number of the actors in the film. The there's the uh, the aliens, Paul Reiser, you know, screw you over kind of guy. Uh, he's he's a I don't know his name, but I'm sure I've seen him in quite a few other things. Mm. You know, character actor. Type. And the oh yeah, well the the professor guy. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, because he's he such looks a really nasty piece of work. Yeah. You know. mm. And the big, the really big guy. Who yes. I've never seen before. He was cool. Yeah, he was <laughs> I'd cool. like to see and, him in something yeah. else as well. And I like, I like the Russian woman as well. The, yeah. Um, she, uh, she, her character was really good. Uh, yeah, no, I, I enjoyed it. I mean, it was, yeah, it's clearly a, a thing rip-off, you know, that's, uh, that's what they're aiming for. Mm. It's, it, it's, you know, it's silly in places. It takes a while to get going. Yeah, it does. It, it, you know, but once it does, once you get that first transformation, which is all done in camera, you know, without sort of CGI. Uh, um, it, it's it's very impressive. I mean, it was a sort of like a, what the fuck have I just watched? <laughs> you know, sort of moment when when you sort of see this guy's sort of skin erupting. Um, it's, it's it's quite impressive. I think for me, say the the visual effects, some of them really really impressive. Others, you know, some of the CGI and that, not, you know, I didn't get it quite so much. The framing of the film, which could be an issue with the presentation rather than how it was shot. I'm not 100% sure on that. This is the issue now as well, isn't it? After what we've said earlier about Amazon at the beginning of the show, anytime you come across something like this now, you're going to be wondering, is this, is, is this an official release? Mm. You know, how have they got hold of this? Is it, it, It's, you know... Because, as you say, it's not in the right ratio. So it's like, well, it feels like it. Definitely feels like yeah. it's not. Um, yeah. Uh, the other, the other, say, the other thing to me is just it. It didn't. It doesn't have enough of its own identity to make it m- notable. Uh, apart, from, you know, say a, a bland DTV sequel, The Thing Two. I could totally see this as if it had that hook. You know, that kind of, mm. you know, one of those. But as a film that's sort of trying to have its own identity, um, it, it just needed needed something. A bit like what we were saying about Dead Zone formerly. You know, if you're going to do something so familiar, put a stamp on it. Uh, you know, the another film that came to mind because we because there were lots of these in the 90s. Uh, you mentioned Virus, which I've forgotten about. Well, that was quite actually quite a fun film. Um, there was Proteus with Craig Fairbrass. Which was, which was which was alien on an oil rig, yeah. yeah. So the, there was lots. Of, this film's also coming very Star l- six. yeah. Deep Star Six, Leviathan. You think this film's coming very late for, in yeah. terms of, a, of the thing thing? But like you say, the fact that it has that link Ooh. to the thing uh, prequel it makes total sense now of why this film exists. There's another one coming out as well. Um, funny enough, I think it's called Dead in the Water. Which is about an all-female crew who pick up a survivor from another boat. All right. Um, I think it's like it was a TV movie, but it actually looks pretty decent. 
Um, I sort of saw the trailer the other day. Uh, yeah, Dead in the Water, it's called, came out last year. Uh, generic, but yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It might, 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 who knows? It might be exactly. Might but, be good. But, it, yeah. but we've seen again. We've seen. I think we've seen that kind of thing. Another time, uh, there was a film that immediately springs to mind called Convict Seven Six Two, which had starred a guy called Frank Zagarino, which was uh, a spaceship, uh, a female uh, flight, you know, female uh, crew, uh, a lake take on board. Um, this you know guy and, and stuff, and then another guy comes on board. I, I think, if I recall it correctly, anyway. So that's not it's not stretching any new ground. But you know, a lot of the stuff we what a lot of the stuff we watch doesn't. It's just as long as it sort of as long as it has some sort of novel quality. And I think this film is solely selling itself on those visual effects. Fair enough. Yeah. It's and bolstered by Lance bolstered by Lance Henriksen. Really good. It just it needed a little bit more for me. Uh, a better, a better story that was a bit more, you know, stronger. Sure. Where are you going to put this? Are we going to score it? Um, then I'm going to give it a six, I think. Funny enough, that's what I'm giving it as well. But for different reasons. But for different <laughs> reasons, yes. Okay, so yeah, it, this is available on Amazon Prime. Um, if you're sort of stuck for something to watch late at night, um, and you're, you know, you're interested in films like The Thing, give it a shot. Can I just ask before we cut the end of this segment? Uh, you were watch you watched the Fifth Passenger this week, yeah. which is a similar kind of concept. Yeah. Break it down for me the sort of similarities and differences between the two, and what you know what makes this better than better than Fifth Passenger. Is it those visual effects? Is that what is the? Sort it's, of... That's part of it, but it's just I don't know. It just uses this environment better. You know, right, yeah. uh, Fifth Passenger is just is literally. Yeah, a lot of it is like in one room. Yeah. It's, yeah. Is it like a cheap, cheap uh, science fiction-y kind of It's a bit, yeah. yeah. I thought, going, you know, sort of stepping back a bit, but I thought the setting and, you know, the the, the ship Hmm. was really good. I thought the production design was was excellent. It it did feel like you were on a a ship, and I'm guessing they did some sort of location shooting for that, and you get some model work thrown in there as well. I thought that was really good. Yeah. It's the last part of the show, so it's over to Rich with the washing up. A number of releases uh, for, that are, you know, films that are coming out or that have been, you know, out for a week or two. Uh, Going to kick straight off with At First Light. Do you know anything about this one, Mike? I've got no clue whatsoever. Well, I mean, you know, it mentions on the poster that it's from. You know, the producers of Midnight Special and Insidious. This definitely leans towards Midnight Special. Um, so this is about a young girl who inherits some sort of powers. Um, and I have to say, I really like the look of it. It's it's kind of sort of young, al- young adultish, mm-hmm. But um, it looks really, really good. Uh, there's a bit in the trailer at the beginning where... She's sitting in a car with this boy, and he's sort of saying, I'll do it again, you know, show me the, the thing you did. And she's sort of concentrating on this Coke can, you know. She's going, huh, doesn't seem to work. And then he looks out the window, and there's this police car, like, 50 foot in the air. Yeah. <laughs> that she's sort of managed to levitate. Um, yeah, it, it looks really good. I'm I, I really interested in seeing this. Uh, next one is a film called... Crucible of the Vampires, a British sort of gothic 
mm. horror uh, from director Ian Ross uh, McNamee. I'm, I'm, I'm butchering his name there. Either. It's a quite mm. unusual name. Um, but it stars Neil Morrissey, uh, or it features Neil Morrissey at least. And uh, yeah, sort of. Look, I'm, I'm very intrigued about this one. I am. It has a sort of touch of like uh, Jean Rowling kind of feel to it. You know? And Hammer Horror, I believe, is a, a strong yeah. influence as well. Yeah. From the trailer, it sort of leans more towards the sort of French sort of style. Oh, that's interesting. But, but um, yeah, interesting to see Neil Morrissey in this. I didn't didn't see him in the trailer, so. But, He's um, top credited, and I, but I'm guessing it's probably sort of a, a smaller role. Uh, he was in a, a another vampire film called I Bought a Vampire Motorcycle. Oh, that's going back a bit. Yeah, yeah he's going back a bit. Uh, I remember that. That was a good fun film. Wasn't uh, that, did that have Anthony Daniels and uh, him, I believe. Oh, yeah. I, I was going to say Nicolas Cage, but now I'm thinking of Vampire Kiss. That's the one he did. Oh yeah, the cockroach eating one. Yeah. So Chris from the Vampire yeah. comes out on a, it's interesting. It's a dual format release, so you buy both. It, but you know you. It's got the DVD and the Blu-ray in there. Yeah, so came out like that. Oh, did it? Okay. Yeah. What do you think on that sort of approach of you know? Yes. Well, yeah, I, I don't mind both? it. Because yeah. the, the the problem with this one is, uh, or at least at, at the moment, if it, you know, the price point's just too high mm. for what people would probably want to pay for something like this. You know, like, so for example, yeah. Dave Wayne, uh, our friend from Snips Video, he can't get it in store because it's just too expensive. For him to buy, it's not it can't fit, in, fit his budget. As far as uh, that was the case, I think he said. Um, yeah. And it's yeah, it's like seventeen pounds or something to buy. I mean, no, it's, this is fallout of the whole HMV thing. I think of them amping up their prices, but which uh, yeah. again, Tom Jolliffe's article on Flickering Myth was you know covering. The cover looks really good. Uh, say British movie, always worth you know having to check out. I, I'd be quite curious to check this out on a future episode. Moving on to now, this is kind of what I call. I'm sort of thinking this of the like premium DTV. You know, it's like not really proper DTV, but it's a film that was put out on VOD at, at the same time as it had a run in cinemas. So yeah, quite a popular, and it is very not mainstream. It's a a, a drama about you know. Um, LGBT in, uh, romance between Re- uh, Rachel Weiss and Rachel McAdams. It's uh, called Disobedience. Yeah, so this is set within... Uh, Orthodox sort of, Jewish community, I believe. That's right, yeah. So it's a very strict um, religious um, organisation. Um, Rachel Weiss plays a woman who um, is sort of moved out, you know, moved away, um, uh, but she's come back because... I, th- I think her, her father's died, so she's come back to sort, of, sort things out. Um, and at some point she'd had a relationship with Rachel McAdams' character, who is married. Um, and, you know, the sort of things rekindled between them. Um, but, you know, because they're, you know, this community is so oppressive, it's, it's very difficult for them to sort of find any time where they can actually express themselves romantically. Um, it is a, a very interesting film, but um, yeah, it's not the sort of film you, you'd think it is. It's it's art house, strong sex kind of. Uh, you know, I mean, you know. there's only there's only one scene of um, you know them actually sort of getting together, as it were. Oh, okay. Uh, it's 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 more 
you know, um, I don't know. It's, it, a lot of it's to do with sort of Rachel Weiss's character sort of trying to come to terms with her, her parents and you know her upbringing and things like that. So you think it's one of those cases where it's like the sex scene or whatever it is is like it's a it's a it's a very you know striking moment in the film and that's kind of what people yes. zero in on. It's exactly, and it's, it's kind of like Carol in that sense. Um, you know, the, the, it's very similar in, in that way. You know, where you have these two women who, you know, having to sort of be very guarded about their feelings and things like that, and, and you know, sort of trying to find the sort of space to actually express themselves. Um, and again, in that, in that film, you know, it boils down to sort of one one scene. This is a bit more explicit in in what it shows, or, but. Even so, it's it's not, you know, what what you're watching the film for. Hopefully, <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm sure there'll be plenty of people watching it for that because <laughs> it's Rachel Weisz. <laughs> yeah. So. yeah. Uh, right. So moving on or to more, you know, traditional DTV territory. It's a film I'm, I meant I completely forgot to mention it on the last episode because it tied in with uh, a trailer that we looked at on the coming soon. So this is Immortal Wars, The Vanquishers. Yeah, so I'm in two minds about this sort of thing. On the one hand, I like the idea of an independent sort of you know, superhero kind of thing getting off the ground, you know. But at the same time, I just wish, I really wish they found a better way to do it. You know, this whole sort of dystopian future kind of thing. It's like, I don't know, it's just so done. You know, get over it. I'd tell you the other thing this brings to mind, that the Asylum's Avengers knockoffs, you know, where they tie it in with the Grimm's fairy tales. Yes, that's right. Avengers Grimm and, and its sequel. This, that, I, that, I must admit, I thought it feels like the same was, kind of thing. Yeah, I, I thought it was part of that universe to begin right. with. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, I... I have. I mean, it's, it's interesting actually seeing um, Eric Roberts' character in this with the same sort of locked jaw device, or whatever it is that he's got on um, in the trailer. So, so he's he, you know he's he's in both films. Yeah, I, be, I believe he's he's probably like the main villain character. Mm. Something I'm guessing. Yeah. Uh, moving on to I mentioned them just a moment ago, the Asylum. Uh, mm. Their latest release on these shores. It was originally called Nazi Overlord. And now it's been released over here as Mission Overlord. It's interesting to see Tom Sizemore on the cover, um, front and centre, because going by the trailer, I get the impression he's the guy who sends them on the mission. Oh, I see. <laughs> you know, rather than actually sort of being in the mission itself. Um, obviously, this has been put out to cash in on Overlord, which came out to reasonable success just before Christmas. Um, I, think, I must admit, I think this looks alright. You know, because they're not sort of going for giant sharks and transmorphers and all the rest of it, you know, the effects actually look pretty decent. And it actually, you know, they might actually pull off a decent film within their budget for once. I'm guessing this is going to be like an Operation Dunkirk kind of look and feel, but with a bit of horror thrown in. It's, um, it's, it. it, it it follows the sort of same sort of situation as Overlord, from what I, from what I can tell. But there there are, there are scenes of like people on the beach, at Omaha or something, and you know running for cover, 
uh, before getting into this sort of mission to sort of capture this woman who has sort of defected to the Nazis to continue her experiments into, I don't know, just sort of genetic mutation or something. But yeah, I, I, I'm quite happily watching this, I think. Now, I'm not sure if we mentioned it on the last uh, episode, but Night Shooters uh, mm. came out, it's out on mainstream release uh, DVD now. I just wanted to sort of throw that in just in case we've forgotten to mention it on the last show. We did forget to mention it because we had to cut the the washing up a bit short. Mm. Um, but yes, it is, it is now available. Um, I, I sort of got the, the limited edition, which came out just before Christmas. Um, but the, the proper version is now available. Um, if you if you like martial arts movies, go see this film. You know, if if you like sort of British comedies, go see this film. It's it's just great. Um, yeah, it's my second favorite film of last year. Getting back uh, to the other stuff that's just sort of just coming out, it's mm-hmm. um, there's a, it's another premium. What well, another sort of premium DTV release? It's been out on VOD for quite a while. It's I'm probably pronouncing this wrong, and, and Mike, you're going to correct me on this. Mm-hmm. Papillon? Papillon? Papillon, I think. Papillon. You, you've probably seen the original on this. Uh, Dustin Hoffman and... Steve, Steve McQueen? Steve McQueen, yeah. So this is yeah. Charlie Hunnam and uh, Rabbi, Rami Malek from... Uh, in, uh, Bohemian Rhapsody, Rhapsody yeah. Rhapsody, yeah. So obviously that, that's going to sort of bump up the sales for this one. Um, I'm surprised they haven't put Rami Malek front and centre on the picture, actually. But there you go. Does anyone care about Rami Malek? I mean, uh, it was all about, I mean, it doesn't really matter it was him, does it? I mean, people were just sort of interested in Bohemian Rhapsody because of the Queen thing. I don't know if Rami Malek is a star because of that. I don't know. Um, Mm. He's a funny looking guy, isn't he? He's got a very curious look. Isn't he in uh, iRobot? Not iRobot, Mr. Robot. The TV series. Oh, is that where he's from? Oh, yeah. oh okay. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, Charlie Hunnam stuff done Son of, Sons of Anarchy and uh, mm-hmm. uh, Pacific Rim uh, and mm. stuff like that. Yeah, I'm not against great. the guy, but this doesn't draw. I'm not really interested in this film at all, to be honest. No, neither am I. Right, that, <laughs> that sort of brings an end to that one. Uh, what we're going to mention now then is a film I know you're much more interested in. It's Polterheist. I'm very bemused by this cover. Um, which is totally out of tone. It's to- the tone is totally out of sync with the actual film itself. The film itself is a sort of um, more of a sort of lock, stock, and smoking barrels comedy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this is this is just something a lot darker, basically. Um, yeah, it, it's it's a reasonably decent, you know, funny film about two guys who kill their partner and then have to sort of conduct a seance to speak to his spirit to find out what he did with the money before they killed him. It's, yeah, I I kind of enjoyed it. I'll be writing up a review very shortly. This is another release from uh, a distributor that seems to be sort of gaining traction. I don't think they've been around a huge amount of time. Tribal, they, they also put out Night Shooters. Um, in a similar way that this was available, you know, you could buy it direct from them on DVD yeah. prior to its main, uh, main release. There's a, they've got something else coming up, and, and they've probably got a few other things as well. So, yeah, they're, they're probably a company that we're going to hear more of in the future, I would say. Sure. Uh, moving on to a much bigger budget production. Uh, this is, uh, it had its 
It was a Netflix exclusive for quite some time, but it's coming out on DVD now. It's The Cloverfield Paradox. Yeah, I don't mind this film. I just wish they dumped the Cloverfield bits. It's, Have it's, you seen it? Did yeah, yeah, it? yeah. Yeah, I can't, I, didn't we review it? <laughs> so I, don't think, uh, I think but, we reviewed it on the other show, on the, on the, on the Smoking Lamb. I've got a feeling I've reviewed it on both. Actually, no, <laughs> you're absolutely right, we did both. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's just the bits, when it keeps cutting back to Earth, I think they're just totally superfluous. You know, the, the sort of mystery and the stuff that's happening on the, on the space station, I think is really good. You know, I, I like the sort of weird stuff that's happening. It's just this sort of like attempt to try and shoehorn the sort of Cloverfield stuff into it just doesn't work for me. Yeah, it's kind of a it's it's an interesting sort of thing to again, it's that same concept of, you know, it's a bit alien knockoff kind of thing. Mm. It's actually actually closer to something like Event Horizon, which was a, an alien mm. knockoff. So yeah, I've had fun with the film. I mean the cast is great, there's so many good actors in it. The, the the film looks really good. Visual effects are good. I, I enjoyed it a lot. Um, what I particularly want to mention here is that they've gone for this new cover, new poster design for the cover, mm. which is is a complete alien Event Horizon ripoff. Uh, it's just they've got they've really they've got this amped up green on black, which is exactly what Alien and or the Alien franchise, I should say, the Alien yeah. series and the uh, Event Horizon used. Uh, this was not what they did on the original poster. Uh, it was, it, there was no, there was, that, there was not this particular tone. So it's really curious that they've gone for this sort of real rip-off looking artwork. Yeah. Very strange. <laughs> um, moving on. Now, this is an interesting one. <laughs> uh, this is what you would think of uh, from the cover is like a, a thriller starring Naomi Watts, Matt Dillon and Norman Reedus called Trapped. But if you look at the original poster, it's an indie drama called Sunlight Junior, <laughs> which is about like a relationship. So have you have you seen the trailer for this at all or anything? I, I haven't seen the trailer for this one. Um, I think this is being massively missold. <laughs> um, do you remember so, way back when we started, we looked at, there was a film called Rage yep. with Ethan Hawke. And then we watched the original trailer. It was actually called The Phenom and it was about baseball and stuff. And it was like this film does not look anything like the cover. Okay, uh, so this is, this, is the, this is the tagline on um, on IMDb for this film. A Florida couple deals with an unexpected pregnancy while holding minimum wage jobs. <laughs> yeah. What, what has that got to do with trapped? Trapped. They're trapped in their jobs? <laughs> I don't know. I'm really interested to Maybe. see the trailer uh, for it. I say I'm really gutted that I didn't get a chance to, but I'm, I'm almost certain this bit, this is this is a case of we didn't. Know, we, this film has been around since 2013. Mm. Uh, we don't know what to do with it. Oh, let's let's repackage it as a thriller. <laughs> yeah, weird. So I, I I mean that's a I think that's an early DTV awards contender right there. Yeah. <clears throat> right. Next uh, thing I want to mention, just in passing, I know you I know you're not a fan of this kind of stuff, but the this is an interesting case of mm. a. A sequel, a DTV sequel, uh, made by the company I mentioned earlier, Universal. Uh, uh, sorry, Uni- Universal 1440 Entertainment. <clears throat> but they, they, so it's a sequel to Unbroken, which was directed by Angelina Jolie. And what they've done is they've teamed up with a Christian filmmaking company called Pure Flix, 
and they've made a film, a sequel to a mainstream film, but they've made the DTV sequel for the Christian market. So I'm, I've never seen the original, but I'm very intrigued to watch uh, the two films back to back, which is, this is the continuing story. Um, last year we talked about Wings of Eagles, which was ostensibly. Is that the same guy? No, it's not, it's not the same guy, but it's a very similar story. He's a, you know, it's a, an athlete, uh, caught, you know, in the, his wartime experiences. And so Chariots of Fire was many years later followed by Wings of Eagles, not a sequel in any sort of direct sense. This film is being, you know, was very clearly made as a sequel. So, but it's in a, in a very similar sort of vein, I think. So, uh, <clears throat> the other thing I want to mention about this is that it's, it's not been independently released on DVD only as part of a box set. So there's the original. Yeah. They, they only seem to be selling it as far as I can tell with the original, which I think is an interesting approach because it's not like Unbroken is like this massively mm. well-known popular film as far as I recall. And no. it's, you know, it's a drama. It's not, you know, it's not a spectacular kind of thing or anything. So it's quite interesting that they've released it at all, uh, released it in this way. Mm. Um, but you can rent it independently on the VOD. So, um, yeah, it's sort of curious one, that I think. Yeah, I mean, I watched the trailer for this, and, and I must admit, I thought it was, you know, the same character from um, Wings of Eagles and uh, Chariots of Fire, which, because as you say, it has this sort of similar sort of thing where he was in a Japanese concentration camp during mm. the Second World War. You know, he, he was he was a famed um, athlete before the war. And you know, looking looking to sort of rekindle that afterwards, but in, in this case, sort of suffering from PTSD, um, you know, which obviously not many people have really sort of heard of back then. Um, there's a couple of interesting scenes. One where he, he's in a church, and um, you know, he's about to sort of storm out, and so the preacher says something like in his sermon, saying like, "Well, you know, all you need to do is reach out your hand, and you know, for help." Which is quite an interesting moment, but the, the, the film ends with him being taken to see um, Japanese internees, you know, um, sort of Japanese, sorry, American Japanese citizens mm. who had been sort of rounded up, you know. Yeah, yeah, I've, I've seen other films on that subject. I mean, that was pretty. That's that's a very yeah. uh, dark part of the the war story. I think it is, so that it's, happening. It's, yeah. But, but the fact that, you know, as part of this film, he goes to visit them or he's taken to visit them and they're sort of saying, you know, oh, these, pe- these people sort of like treat you horribly, you know, what, what are you going to say to them? And, and that's how the trailer ends, just sort of that, on that sort of moment. It's, again, you know, it's, it's not the sort of film I personally would watch, but I can certainly see how it would appeal to, you know, a lot of people. Have you ever seen the original, The Unbroken? No. No. It's, it's not something I'd watch personally. No. Okay. Because uh, as far as I know, the religious angle is not um, a, a key part of it. I, I think it's probably in there, but they, you know, it's um, it's Jack O'Connell, I believe, mm. who originally played the role. So you know, I'm really interested to see at, at some point. Uh, I can imagine this is, you know, a TV yeah, movie looking compared compared to the original. But yeah, it's this. So I didn't mention what the title was. It's Unbroken Path to Redemption. So the the Christian quality is like right there up there you know they're not hiding there or anything it's quite interesting really that they've done this it's it's not it's a quite an unusual case um now 
<laughs> Our old friend Scott Atkins is back. Uh, it, it, this film was available on Netflix for about a year um, uh, before it sort of disappeared off the platform and things went a bit quiet. When the, I think I'm guessing around the time that they were announcing the DVD release coming out, it was originally called Boyka Undisputed, the fourth in the Undisputed franchise. Now it's known as Undisputed Fight for Freedom. Indeed. So this is uh, Scott Atkins returning to his most well-known character of uh, Yuri, Boy- Yuri Boyka, most complete fighter in the world. <laughs> um, it, it's it's a great story as well. It, you know, it's not just the fights. It, it, the story is actually quite compelling because um, at the end of the third film, he manages to escape prison, and now he's like trying to become a legitimate fighter in in sort of you know MMA and all the rest of it. Um, but he accidentally kills an opponent in the ring and you know because of his sort of um sort of strict catholic upbringing he sort of feels guilty about it and tries to sort of make amends with the guy's widow and then finds out that she's sort of um in trouble working for this casino and you know he gets involved um and it is you know great acting by scott in this as well uh is you know the fight stuff's brilliant but, you know, he really sort of adds layers to the character as well. Um, it's, re- it's really interesting that we're coming to this after talking about Unbroken, mm. because this is similarly a redemption story. This could have been called Undisputed Path to Redemption, because that's what he's after. At the beginning of the movies, he's, you know, he's, he's fighting in these underground or underground or mainstream, I'm not sure, mm. fights. And he's taking the money and buying Bibles or giving them, giving the money to yeah, the, the to the church and stuff. He's yeah. He's desperate for. He's a religious man. He's desperate for redemption. But obviously, this is not a, a religious film or a Christian film. So it's a completely different kind of thing. But um, thematically, it touches on some of that stuff. The, yeah, the characters are great. I mean, it's low budget. It's not directed by Isaac Florentine, although I believe. It's not officially. Directed I, I believe, yeah, that, yeah, from what I've heard, yeah, it's not officially. Although it seems like he was. Involved to a certain about. extent. Yeah, he's definitely yeah. highly involved in 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 the making of it. Because I was very worried when I saw this uh, Theodore Chapatov. I think his you know his name coming up as like the director. Because I was thinking, oh really? They sort of handed over the franchise to and and you know somebody I've never heard of. I'm I'm quite worried about that. Um, but it's all the hallmarks are there. You know, the, I mean, it's got the it's got the same issues as the previous undisputed films in terms of their low budget nature mm. and you know the you know, where they've been filmed and stuff, you know, the locations and stuff are not that great. And that, but you know, the fight action is what you're there for and you, it delivers in spades. And it's really good to see the film being marketed, you know, released properly. Um, Accident Man didn't have a very, you know, cover was awful for Accident Man, was it? And this one, it's like, you, you see it and you think people who don't know Scott Atkins will pick this up. Yeah. I mean, they've gone for they've just they've just deliberately gone for that um, UFC style font mm. on on the undisputed title, and uh, I think it will do really well. I'm hoping so. Yeah, I, re- I really am. Um, and hopefully, people will sort of, you know go sort of check out some of his other films or some of the other undisputed films at least. And hey, look, Mike Fury is on the front. Yeah. <laughs> give, it four, give it four stars. Yeah, but also um, you've got Martin Ford. On the on the cover as well. So. Yeah, well, this was the first thing I'd seen him in, and he's a you know he's a very scary looking. I mean, apparently he's called the Nightmare. <laughs> That's like his nickname or something. But um, I mean, he is a very curious looking guy, but incredible. Um, what an opponent for for Atkins yeah. 
Because apparently he's he getting into MMA as well. He is, yeah. Apparently he's going to be coming in next, or this year, I would say. I think this year yeah, or something. He's training for it. And yeah. Yeah, he's going to wipe the floor with a lot of people. Well, yeah, I mean, geez. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I don't really know anything about his, you know, I know he's probably like a bodybuilder and stuff, but I don't know yeah. if he's actually had much martial arts. Right? I mean, he's in Redcon 1 as well, so that'll be interesting is, to see, yeah. see him in that. Oh, yeah. He's, He's just one of those, you know. He is larger than life. He's he's like the what's that Australian guy that we like as well? So Conan Seaton. Yeah, the other one. Conan Seaton, Nathan Jones. Nathan Jones. That's yeah. It, yeah. So yeah, you've got these two sort of very larger than life sort of characters, and I do get them mixed up every now and again. Um, but yeah, they're all sort of just great to see, basically, because you know that they 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 work really hard to fit into these films, and you know, and and sort of go toe to toe toe-to-toe with 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 genuine actors and i think they do really really well there's another guy in this who's the uh, i think he's like the what what i always consider as like the odd job characters like the yeah. the second in combat you know like the lead guy for the yeah. villain and he's a, a fighter himself if i recall correctly it's been a while since i've seen the film and he he's really good um, yeah, his his vibes with Atkins are, are excellent as well. I say it's all really really well done. It's very good. I mean, I like the one with the, t- the twins. You know, the, the, he has to take on the two guys at the same time. Uh, I thought that was really cool. Well, you yes. keep having the thing with Moika is you have to keep up in the stakes. Well, you know, right. like you've got to make it. Now you were saying that you think uh, Undisputed Three was released at some point. Uh, I I, I cannot find trace of it no. anywhere. There, there was a there was a box set that was released. And I thought that was released in the UK. Apparently, it isn't. Um, the, only, the only thing I've seen was, I mean, the, the American Blu-ray is is multi-region, basically. Mm. And that's, that's the only way I've been able to get hold of it. Isn't that weird? You know, it's like Undisputed 2s came out so long ago. Mm. Um, and so they're releasing this one. They can't, you know, they're trying to sell it to the, they're selling it to the same audience as well as like newbies and stuff. But the fact that you can't see the, film that sets it up basically is very it's very frustrating you don't need it you 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 know you totally don't need it this is very much you can watch as a standalone but it is it would be nice to be able to follow that story through well that's right because you know it's undisputed to um you know he is the bad guy in the Mm. film although although he has you know certain morals and things but he is the bad guy and then you know he becomes the good guy in in the second in the third one Mm. um and then, you know, he is the hero going forward. So, yeah. yeah it's, so it's the last, number three was the one where they put him, it was Scott Atkins as that character front and centre for the first time. And they built on that with this. So the, these two, the, those two films together are, are you know, excellent, you know, introductions yeah, to Scott Marco Atkins. Zorro, but you just Marco can't see the third one. one. Yeah. Which one? Marco Zorro is yeah. the bad guy in that one as well. Yeah. He's damn good. I've still haven't, I've still haven't caught up with a lot of his other stuff like Mirage Man and that. I don't know many of that. Yeah, only Kiltro, I think. Um, no, I'm pretty sure I've seen one other. There's one called The Redeemer that's on Amazon, or it was on Amazon at some point. No. Um, but yeah, the uh, I do keep meaning to check him out because he was really good. They were a really good pairing in, in, in that film. So yeah, so we've got Undisputed, and uh, we're going to end on West of Hell. Now. This is interesting. Um, I watched the trailer for this just before we, we started recording. And the trailer I came across on YouTube, um, it didn't have 
a score. So all it had was the various little sound effects they'd put in that were supposed to be peppered throughout the score. So you end up with just like total silence as these images are going on, and then you'll have like a, you know a quick sound effect like a gun a gun cocking or something like that, mm-hmm. and as it sort of moves on, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's very very strange. That is the trailer I'm going to put on the footnotes as well because um, it deserves it. I think it looks alright. Um, it's, it's, it does look a bit cheap, you know. It's not shot on video, I think. Uh, but you got t- Tony Todd in there. Um, yeah, I, I quite like the look of it. Overall. Lance Henriksen again. And Lance Henriksen too. Good, good genre staples. Michael, Michael Eklund in there as well. Yeah. I don't know who he is. I've come across him before, and I can't put my finger on it right now. But yeah, he's, he's got one of those recognisable faces. Uh, it says a cross between Devil and the Hateful Eight, uh, so it makes me think. They're stuck in a lift in the old west. <laughs> well, I think they're sort of all set on a train. All the set on a train, right? Okay. By the looks of it, yeah. Makes sense. So, yeah. so another lifeboat kind of situation exactly, going on. Yeah. But it does look quite interesting. Quite an interesting bunch we've had. There's just one other film I want to mention. Uh, it turned up on VOD quite uh, surprisingly. It's I haven't seen the first one yet, but this is Best Friends Volume Two, or Best or Best Fiends, or however you best friend, you know, Best Friends, which is Tommy Wiseau and Greg Sestero, oh, their their reunion yeah. project. So this yeah. is the second of the two parts. Um, so is, I think I've heard the Bristol Bad Film Club talk about this, mm. um, but I, I I don't know a lot about it. I don't know. I don't either. I mean, I saw the trailer. For the, I don't know if it was a trailer for both films or just a trailer for part one, but it, it looks like an interesting project. I'm not seeing any Tommy Wiseau yet, so well, I think I might have seen him in something, but a, as a supporting cameo or something. But I haven't seen The Room, I haven't seen Disaster Artist. I really want to, uh, and at some point I want to see both these films as well because they uh, look very interesting. Yeah, well, okay, good luck with that. You don't <laughs> want to, no? You're not interested. Not no, uh, he, he he did turn up in that film called Cold Moon as uh, 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 a snake charmer, um, oh. very very briefly. But uh, that, that's another weird film. I hear the I hear Samurai Cop um, has to be seen. He was in Samurai Cop too, uh, so I, de- I definitely want to try and watch those two films at some point as well. <laughs> Bad movie Bible. Indeed, yes, it was in that, wasn't it? Yeah. Okay, so that is the uh, the washing up done. It's it is. time for the end of the show. I'm going to be sitting down to watch the Super Bowl now. Go Rams. Um, <laughs> thank you for listening and uh, tune in next week or next episode. Thank you for listening to the DTV Digest. Let us know your thoughts in the comments and tune in again next time.